Well, in this episode, very funny, stand-up comedian Chad Daniels comes in, also thinker, attorney, author. Greg Lukianoff comes in as well for a very spirited discussion. Chris has got the news, and we'll do all that right after this. Hey, everybody. Good news. We're doing the Comedy Fantasy Camp again. Jay Leno's going to be there. I'm going to be there. John Lovitz is going to be there. Caroline Ray is going to be there. Many, many other big comedians are going to be there. February 29th through March 3rd. Tickets are going to go fast, and it's all going to culminate at the world-famous Hollywood Improv. So come and join us at the Comedy Fantasy Camp and work with the pros. Get your tickets at ComedyFantasyCamp.com. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy Christmas classics like Scrooge with Bill Murray or Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. Plus, dive into festive channels like holiday movie favorites by Lifetime or Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. From Corolla One Studios in Glendale, California, this is the Adam Corolla Show. Adam's guest today, comedian Chad Daniels, and the author of The Canceling of the American Mind, Greg Lukianoff. Plus, we'll do the news and trending topics with Chris Loxamana. And now, after the show, he's flying to New Hampshire just to punch people wearing I Voted stickers. Adam Carolla. Yeah, get it on. Got to get on a trip again, Red Mendick. Get it on. Welcome to the show. Chad Daniels, very funny stand-up comedian, is in studio. Good to see you, Chad. Thanks for having me. I watched a special. Chad's got a very funny uh, stand-up special uh, called Mixed Reviews, which I watched last night, which is uh, very nicely done. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's on YouTube, right? Yep. I, yep. I believe it's free. Uh-huh. It's uh, 48 minutes or... Or so, yeah. and it's just—I uh, would call it funny. Thank you, and uh, well crafted. Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, kind of uh, George Carlin esque in that you—you uh, you bring up a subject, then you explore it, then you get back to the callback sure, of the original yeah. thing, and yeah. then you drill down on it a little further, and then you do a little wordplay and a little math, and it, it kind of—it's. <laughs> I, Carlin was kind of that way in a lot of a lot of his well, stuff. Well, that's a huge compliment, I guess. I mean, this is the first time I've talked about my kids growing up for so long, and then you know, all of a sudden they're off and being adults, and so now it's it's. I, I thought that with everything that was going on in the last four or six years, whatever, just try to talk because I I say in the special that I'm on the left, but the line's right by my foot, and it's fun to watch the idiots way way away from everything. You know? Yeah. From yeah, that spot. I uh, sorry, I uh, my phone went off, which it never does because I will never bring it in this room. But I once a year I have some text or something to read from my phone, so sure. I bring it in and then just hope it doesn't do that. People <laughs> <laughs> are blowing, you're blowing up. Yeah, I'm you, blowing, I'm blowing up. Well, turn on silent. This is, uh, I think one of them was uh, guys came over to watch football on Sunday. Okay. And uh, one of the guys mentioned in a in a group chat that <laughs> one of the guys mentioned in a group chat that he brought his um, stuff over for uh, 
rock pizzas, pizza shaker, okay. like salt. I was cheese really shaker. Wants it back. Uh, yeah. He went into red pepper flakes. Shaker stuff. <laughs> yeah. So Tony Barbieri, who's a mole uh, from Windy City yeah. Heat, said, uh, I left my pizza shakers there Sunday. Hold on to them for me, please. And then I wrote back 10 seconds later, I already sold them. <laughs> and then he wrote back, everything goes in your arm. And then I wrote back up my nose, but I get it. So <laughs> I just... It's fun for jack off guys to send stupid, uh, stupid text and Absolutely emails. Agree. You, you do that? Yeah, I have. I think it's a seventeen-person <laughs> text chain from my golf group. Oh, great! But it's winter. I live in Minnesota, so there's right. no golfing going on. And one person will send a meme and mm-hmm. then forget it. <laughs> yeah, <then laughs> you have to turn it on. Do not disturb, or it's going to be a hundred messages. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't see women don't have that jack off gene. Right. You know, like. What percentage of women, let's just say of a certain age, made prank phone calls as kids versus dudes? See, for oh, dudes, yeah. it's almost 100%. Right. Especially old school. Right. For women, it's single digits. So that alone, when people go like, who's funnier, men or women, or who, whatever, why do women, how come there's eight dudes on this bill and only two women and stuff like that? It's because they're not as into it. They didn't start when there were nine fucking with liquor stores. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. But I, don't, I wonder how many guys that actually did prank phone calls ended up stand-ups. Oh, not even 75%. I would think not either. I mean, I did one once. I, I called this lady in our neighborhood. She was being an asshole. And uh, I called her and I said, I, I don't know who to call. My, my sister fell down the stairs. And this is before caller ID. And so mm-hmm. now, about 15 minutes later, she's knocking on. I go, I'm in your neighborhood, but I, I don't know our address. And she's knocking on all the doors. <laughs> oh. And then I felt like shit after that. <laughs> yeah. you know, it starts off funny. And then you're like, God damn, yeah, this lady a, is there's freaking a out. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so there was this clip from a, a day or so ago. I think uh, I got it written down here. And then we'll, we'll get into the special because I got, look at me. I got a lot to say. Give me those goddamn shakers. Let me put that on sound. I, I tried. Let's see. Okay, there, there it is. Uh, Daryl Morey, who was the uh, Sixers president of basketball operations. Formerly the uh, GM of the Houston Rockets. Yeah, the guy who got into trouble because he uh, dared to say that maybe China wasn't our finest ally. <laughs> maybe yeah, he tweeted that- in favor of the protests. Yeah, and so that got him drummed out because, listen— End of the day, bottom line, it's all about money. You can talk all you want about human rights and you can protest for this group or that group. But the bottom line is the cash flow. You have (laughs) 1.2 billion people over there and that's going to be a huge market for the NBA. And they're pretty sensitive about their shit over there. So if you start poking at them, then stateside will toss you out because we want that revenue. And then we'll get back to talking about human lives and dignity. (laughs) Yeah, it takes a long time to spend a million dollars, but it takes about three days to forget that a bunch of people got run over by tanks. Right, right. It's Everybody's like, this is horrible. And then three days later, it's not talked about. So he got pushed out and then he went over to the Sixers and then he said, what? We have a clip. We stepped out. So Stan Van Gundy, uh, he was broadcasting on the TNT broadcast of uh, Sixers versus Denver. Mm-hmm. And he went on some weird rant about Joel Embiid. Stan uh, Van Gundy. Yeah, just mm-hmm. just in the middle of the broadcast. The last, like, he kept going, coming back to two. It's like all together was like four minutes of him just ranting about Joel. And so um, 
the uh, there's this uh, radio station, the Fanatic in Philly, and they interviewed Daryl Morey about it. And this is what Daryl had to say. Uh, I want to ask you about your best player, Joel Embiid. Um, he's played at such a high level. I not know, according to Stan Van Gundy, apparently. Uh, that, that was the, he did a podcast. He didn't watch yeah, the game. Was, yeah, he just did a was, podcast during the, during, the, during the game. That was like an Adam Carolla rant just turned on in the middle of the game. So the reason I bring that up is because um, a couple days ago at the Emmys, um, I sent Jimmy a tweet Jimmy Kimmel saying sorry he lost the the Emmy or didn't win the Emmy which I enjoy sorry about (laughs) that to rub it in yeah Yeah. um so I sent him that and then he sent me back a text and then I came up with a new thing that I that I like to do is that my phone or now that's yours (laughs) okay all right well I can't call the kettle black um I won't all right so and the reason I'm, I'm bringing it up is because I think it's a new thing I'm going to do. Um, he he wrote back after I told him, you got robbed from the Emmys. And he just wrote back, you know, I got you or whatever. And then I wrote him back. I'm watching Fast and Furious 7. So normally I would not respond. But you and I go back. So I will make an exception. And then I responded. Yeah. Which, by the way, is true. You were watching Fast I was watching Furious Fast and Furious. But for, then, for how many times? Way more than seven. Okay. My rule is, as I watch whatever the number is, I triple that number. Oh, I love Ah. it. So, you know, the last one, it's 30, you know, (laughs) whatever it is, just take that number and put a zero behind it is probably about how many times. Like the second one, I probably saw 20 times, but the fifth one I saw 50 times. You know, it just, if you put a zero behind the number on Fast and Furious, that's a good rule of thumb. That is a good rule of thumb. So he then saw this this clip so he then sends me a link and says in case you missed it pretty cool and then oh damn it and then i wrote him back i appreciate you sending this along but i'm currently watching fast eight the fate of the furious so we will have to get into this at another time and I think that'll be my new answer. If he ever texts me, I'll just explain to him that I'm watching Fast and Furious and that I can't really Just add another by. number to it? Uh, I'll move it around until I get to 10. And then I'll have to go back to 7 where I started. So Is ten, I, are there actually 10 of them? Oh, please. Come on. I have Don't to tell you something. Stupid. So I am the opposite of you. I'll watch the first one a whole bunch of times, mm. second one, and then it starts fading away where I'm like, God damn, there's another one of these? The first one isn't even the same movie <laughs> as the fourth one. I mean, it went from right. little gritty street, medium budget, right. as advertised. These are street racers in Los Angeles, you know, cookie cutter. This is what you'd expect. To I'm going to jump a Bugatti from one tower in Dubai to another tower in Dubai, <laughs> yeah. and then I'm going to uh, we're going to commandeer a Soviet sub, and then we're going to we're we're, we're going to breach it out of the ice. <laughs> Every and, character activated God mode. Yeah, and, and at a just... certain point, they're in outer space in a Fiero that's been outfitted. <laughs> so, to... are they working for the government at this point? Um, we don't want to spoil it for you. I don't want to ruin it oh, for yeah. you. Sorry, the, spoiler the, alert. The government gets involved, but it's always some branch of the government that says we never had this conversation. Right. Like, uh, like all good. Unsanctioned. Yeah, all good movies. So I was watching your special, which is a very funny, and you get right out of the gate with a good anima story about your son. Yeah. 
<laughs> I have my own enema stories. Okay. I'm so ready. I thought we could, you know, exchange war I, stories. Find sure. some common ground here, yeah. First, just to set the table for the people that didn't hear the special or see the special yet. Your son was on one of those, that was one of those bidets that has the seat, the seat bidet or the full bidet? It's the full bidet. Full bidet? Yeah. How do you find that? I have no clue. <laughs> Because that's, you know, you're in Minnesota. I don't, I don't think every second house has a bidet. No, I don't think so either. So he must have been like having oh, wait, brunch at the... You're talking about the, like, it looks like a urinal, but shoots up. You have to get off the can. I'm talking... There's there's two things. There's a dedicated bidet. It's that's not, a separate ball. Not that. And then there's the toilet seat bidet, where it's oh, okay. built into the toilet yeah, seat. Yeah, yeah. It's it's in the toilet. It's And it shoots up. You, you don't have to get off the toilet. Yeah. Wait, we're still in a we're still in a nether region. One is attached to the toilet seat on a regular toilet, and the other is a separate ball. He's saying it's the first a. one. A. First one, yeah. toilet seat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, it's not in the toilet. Is what I'm saying. It, it's oh, like, I th- okay. It's it just... shoots out of the the seat. You can take a standard toilet and I just gotcha. bolt this Th- thing onto the he top. He ordered it. He, had he to ordered take, it. Take the seat off. Put it on there. Hook it up to the wall source water. Put the seat back down. Boom. And, and he didn't farm it out. He did it himself. He did it himself, which is maybe what, where the too much power came into play. <laughs> but that's still pretty good. I mean, because you need an electrical source. Uh, no, you don't. It just it's it's the water pressure. Yeah. From the wall source water. So there's no no electricity. There's no electricity. Uh-uh. Correct. Uh-uh. Correct. Yeah. So it's correct. always it's like you know how a hose always has pressure when you go back to it if it's on. It's yeah. the sa- same thing. How do you turn it on? There's a little uh, dial on the side. Oh, but it's not electronic. Uh-uh. It's not lit up or anything. No, it's like a little switch where you have to turn it to you know settings or whatever. Oh, it's like a valve. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I didn't even know they had those. Yeah, you you they... put like a splitter in your toilet your toilet line yeah. and then yeah, it just sprays right out. Oh, so they've now come up with one because for the first. 15 years you had to plug it in because it was electric that seems dangerous right you're by mixing water. electricity <laughs> with that. Yeah. I don't like that. well it had a remote the, uh, those or, are the, like those japanese toilets though that like do a lot more maybe they'll dry no the it. first one i got the the one i have currently uh, amigo that's okay. your best friend you know <laughs> by the way if you go to tijuana and you eat some of the street tacos that thing will be your best you're gonna friend need your amigo yeah that that thing's no. That thing plugs in, has oh. a remote, like stuff lines up. It'll heat the water. Yeah, I imagine that the ones that don't take electricity do not heat the water, and in Minnesota, that can be harsh. Well, yeah, you, uh, you could hook it up to the hot water, but you're gonna not want from it. the toilet just, though. Yeah, just, hmm? Not from the toilet. Not from the toilet source. You hook yeah, them up under right. the sink. I have one. You hook it up under the sink. Yeah. The toilet's right next to the sink. I cut a hole in the cabinet to fit the tubes through. But, yeah, I, I managed to tie everything together the way it was supposed to, except I can't get the hot water to work. But Oh, but you you, do, you, do, you did tie into the hot water? Yeah. Oh. I don't know why it's not working. I'm not a professional, but I did 75% of it, so I'm proud of myself. 
So, okay. so we didn't do any of that. So behind the toilet where the water comes in to fill the tank when you flush it. Angle stop. Yep. You take that and you you, you uh, put a splitter on, like yep. you were saying. The T. Yep. Yeah. And then some of it, it goes back to right. fill the tank. And then right. some of it gets used to wash So you yourself. got the cold ass water. It is. But it works. Like a polar plunge yeah. while washing <laughs> I, yourself. I yeah. could imagine in, in the dog days of winter yes. in uh, Minnesota. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, Man, I think I'd go the extra mile and try to get a little warm water cooking in there. But all right. Yeah, and remote control access, you're going to obviously need electricity, too. So, um, yeah. but he hooked it up. He plumbed he, it. He hooked it up. Yep. Got That's it all good. Set. Yep. And uh, maybe it's time to go out to the street and hit the regulator and turn the PSI on the house down from like 110 so. to like 83 <laughs> or something. Yeah, or just start it, you know, how you do with Fast and Furious movies. Mm-hmm. Start it at 1, then go to 2. You yeah. don't, we don't whip it up to 10 immediately. Yeah. Don't get it up to 8 grand and dump the clutch. Right. Just feather that clutch, <laughs> yes. get it up to like 2,800 RPM, and get out of there without chirping those tires. Yeah, you shouldn't make a guttural noise when the water hits you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah you're so, right. So, what? Ha- so he's he's telling me this story. He goes, "Yeah, man, I, th- I think it was up too high because uh, I, I was in my car on the way to work." How old is he? He at the time twenty two. Mm-hmm. He's twenty four now. Uh-huh. What he goes, water went everywhere. Uh-huh. So he's filled himself with water from the bidet, not knowing. Yeah, and shit basically just like releases the water. Right. And so the, the, it's just a huge story about that. So right. it's a, it is a, it's a self-enema when he was just trying to clean himself. Mm. The not knowing thing is weird. Like I, I, I completely agree. That's, that's part of the thing. It's like he got off the toilet, bent over, pulled his pants up, put two shoes on. No pressure. He didn't feel any pressure. Mm. So I don't know how it got all the way to the car. But, <laughs> mm. but once he was in the car, he erupted. That's when it happened. Yeah, His car. His car. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that is a key part of the story. Now, did he keep trucking into work, or nope. did he turn, turn tail, U-turn. pardon the pun? Immediate and, U-turn, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Maybe an e-brake U-turn? <laughs> yeah, probably. Maybe like Starsky and Hutch slapped yeah. the siren on the top the old shitty, off. yeah. Like, I imagine if, if you don't realize that you're filled with water, and you're in your car, and you just let out a fart, and... Your seat just gets soaked and you, it just splashes. Like, I'd be so freaked out. You have to think you shit your pants. Worse. Oh, you may think you've ruptured a spleen yeah, and blood or whatever. Like, he may have driven himself into the emergency room. <laughs> well, I have, a, I have a pretty, I would say, vast experience with this. Oh, I understand how this works. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm interested. So I can tell you, you can, you can fill up. You, you don't need a, you know, this predates the bidet. Uh, because we, when we were in high school, would break into a place called the Mulholland Club, which is a country club okay. on top of Mulholland in, in Los Angeles, an exclusive tennis club, okay. kind of club that nobody in our family could ever join or be involved in in any way, shape, or form. But we did figure out that they would close at 7 or 8 in the evening and that Saturday nights we could go over there with a 12 pack and whatever chicks we could try to wrangle up and convince them to climb up the mountain in the back and hop the fence and have, couldn't get into the Mulholland club, but you could use the pool and the jacuzzi and you could definitely do a little skinny dipping and drink some beer and have some fun and maybe, maybe even get lucky. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because the chicks would have to go skinny dipping, you know, with the dudes and, Sure. You know, that's the way we to. do it. You have to. Once you've, you're kind of pot committed. Once <laughs> you see, we're looking at a picture of it from the back oh, side, wow. 
from the backside where the pool is, there's a very steep, rocky hill. Mm-hmm. Once you park at the bottom of the hill, you have to climb up this 30, 40 foot rocky hill and then hop the fence and get into the place. And you have to think at that point, this could be my last chance to go skinny dipping because I have to go down that embankment. The hill's a little hairy. Yeah. But once you get over the hill and over the fence, you're kind of committed to the skinny dip. Yeah. Which not everyone abided by, but, you know, the guys did. So um, when we sat in the jacuzzi, one of my friends figured out that the jacuzzi jet mm-hmm. was down from the brick coping, from the slab of the jet, from the top surface of the jacuzzi, cement built into the slab, um, was about exactly as long as a male femur bone would be. <laughs> and that if he sat up against it, sort of like an astronaut on the launching pad, you take sure. both knees and you bend them and you put your calves on the outside and you lean back, that your ass will line up perfectly with the jet. Yeah, that's by design. Oh, there's definitely can't be a coincidence. Absolutely. And then uh, once you fill up with the jet, then you can <laughs> step outside of the jacuzzi and fire a rooster tail that's 18 feet long. And it's powerful and it's spectacular. And you wouldn't think you could do it. You just wouldn't think a human could do this. But if you're strong and you play football and you're in high school and if you think about it, like if you think about any time you've been on the commode and you've really had it bad, like ugh, yeah. stomach grumbling and driving hard and running for the bathroom, pants down while you're still moving toward yep. the toilet and hit it and the explosion, that comes out with a lot of force. <laughs> a lot. It sure does. And if you just do that with jacuzzi water and bend over right, it's a rooster tail. And it's it's coming out like the back of a sea dew or something. I was like, just I mean, going to say fan. I mean, it's shoot out 14 feet. You know what I mean? You could definitely, if there was some tar or gum stuck to the slab, you could take it off. Yeah. Like, you could pressure wash Maybe it. some new graffiti. It'd be a super slow way. To, you'd probably yeah. be better off just going to Home Depot and renting one. But you could remove graffiti from a block wall. If you guys got caught, do you think that's what the punishment would have been? Having, Just having to pressure wash the entire place with your ass. I got a thousand hours of community service. I got to go down <laughs> to South Central and there's this black church and it got tagged. And It only about- counts when you're spraying. <laughs> <laughs> the fill up doesn't count against your time. It's only when you're spraying. So uh, like all things with us, this lasted for a while, a little while. But then eventually the ante needed to be upped. Always does. That's the thing with young dudes, right? Yeah. Like, this is great. Like I always say, the first time you light that M80, M80, you just put that firecracker away and you light it and you run. Mm -hmm. But at some point you're holding it and you're lighting it off a cigarette and you're throwing it at your friend, right? Because that's that's what it devolves to. We evolve. Evolve. Evolve, I meant. So uh, at a certain point, uh, there's... uh, the, the, again, the, the rooster tail show is all fair, fair and well. But at a certain point, you really have to do it onto somebody. Of course. You, you must blast yeah. onto somebody. Now, people think that's, you know, borderline gay and, <coughs> and, and, and very grotesque. 
I'd say grotesque, but how is it gay? Uh, it's I don't know. Everyone's naked, mm-hmm. butt cheeks spread. Yeah, <laughs> it's going out. Not asshole in. dilated. Oh, okay. I don't know. Asshole <laughs> dilated. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing about gay sex is everyone thinks about the in part, but it comes out eventually it and then goes to, back yeah, in again. You know, it's, it's 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 a steam train. It's two things, yeah. So um so but I, I'm here to tell you that about the second or third round, whatever comes out, just as clean as whatever went in. I would think it has yeah. to. Yeah, especially you're, with the chlorine. You're, 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 you're completely flush. There's nothing in there. It's just literally literally chlorine tap water up your ass by the third go round. So, you know, <laughs> if you can avoid getting hit in the first couple. <laughs> I never forget. Yeah, no pink eye. Uh, <laughs> one of my buddies filled up and was chasing everybody around. And this friend was frantically trying to get away. And then at some point stepped inside one of those lounge chairs with the spaghetti lounge and his foot went through it. And then he rolled his ankle like on it and went down hard in a pile in the lounge chair, like half in the lounge chair, this foot caught up in it and the other laying on the ground, writhing in pain. And then my buddy with the full tank caught up to him. Of course. And it's like. Well, we got a conundrum here. <laughs> it's like, are, it's not up to him. Are you point. hurt yeah. or are you injured? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm bad, bad. I got bad. My ankle's bad. And like, it rules and rules. You're you about know? to have it worse, my friend. <laughs> he's like, come on, man. Really? Come on, man. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. And he's like, Sorry. And he just blasted yeah, yeah. <laughs> it. out of my hands. Yeah. Deals are a deal, man. I'll help you up after, but you're getting it. On the ground. And then I said, you know, um, this is great, but it's really just us who are experiencing this. Like, we don't get to share it with the world. It's four or five dudes. <laughs> and, and it's cool and everything, but I want... I want to share this. Yeah. Like I want other people to see what what this is about, you know. And I said, um, I think I think we should bring it down the hill, and <laughs> and maybe, do you think you could work this with a hose? Yeah. And my buddy's like, I'll try. You know? <laughs> and again, that's there a is no try. There's that's, only do. That's what. Yeah, do. That's just, it's how you spell it, and it and it's also the difference between girls and and dudes, you know. So at some point, once they figured out the hose worked, then everyone was was within range. There was no more <laughs> Mulholland Club anymore. It, it was on. I was at my grandparents were out of town and I was in their house in my grandfather's office watching TV on the floor. And one of my buddies walked in just, hey, what's going on? Eh, nothing. I just went to the kitchen. Pow. <laughs> on the floor inside. Grandpa's dead. That's dedication. Filled up with the hose in the back real fast. Yeah. So be safe. I said, and it's in one of my books, but I said, do you think we could fill it up? My mom's house in North Hollywood is only about a half mile away from the Jack in the Box, and they have a drive through <laughs> You think you could fill up with the hose, you know, wait till midnight. They're open all night. Fill up with the hose and then hop in the car and we'll go through the drive through and then you push your ass out the window and we'll blast into the drive through. 
Do you have to train for something like that? Like those uh, eating contests where you have to drink gallons of water to keep your stomach? Yeah, what's the Rocky montage look like? Yeah, there is there is no real training for that for that kind of stuff. It's, yeah, he was just an, he was like an X Man. This was a genetic <laughs> yeah. mutation. Yeah, yeah. So I said, now we can fill up, and this is what reminded me of your son. You fill up at my mom's house, but then we're going to be in the car for a few minutes, mm-hmm. and and when you're filled up, it's really hard to tell. You know what right. I mean? It's not an exact science. Um. It would be like, it's like sitting next to a time bomb where the clock is broken and just spinning around. Like, you're not really sure. No one's sure. Yeah. You haven't tested endurance yet. I mean, no. astronauts should have to do this. Yeah. And you got to go just pothole. Yeah. Done. Yeah. You got to get to that fireman training ground, carry a ladder, get yeah. climb the ladder with a, with a hose. <laughs> so I said, well, let's, let's, let's try it. We got to go for it. So, um, I didn't have a car and he didn't have a car, but we borrowed somebody's car. Even better. Even better. Of course, we didn't, you know, tell him we're going on a beer run or something. And then uh, I said to my buddy, all right, fill her up and we'll jump in the car. And then uh, you drive, you know, over to the jack in the box and then uh, roll the window down. You shove your ass out the uh, driver's side of the car. And then he goes, I don't drive a stick. And this is a five-speed Toyota, you know, 1980. And I'm like, all right, so I drive, but you're sitting in the passenger side. So, hmm. Okay, I think we can still make this work. It didn't stop us from our appointed rounds. Anybody in the backseat or just you two? Just us two. So he fills up with my mom's hose in front of our house with my mom. My mom's house had a hose bib, like all the way in the front of the front yard and a hose on it. And uh, he fills up. He jumps in the passenger seat. I take off. He's yelling, hurry. We're going <laughs> hauling ass trying to get Box to the sticking. jack in the box. Go down. Get there. There's like three people in front of us in line. Oh, you know, he's like, oh. and I'm like, I'm like, okay, I got to order. Like I just order small fries. You know, I, I don't have any money. Yeah, you know, I, I can't order nothing. You know what I mean? I have to order something. I get the cheapest. I get one of the cheapest things on there. And uh, we go across. We finally get in line. He's like groaning, holding his belly the whole time. Uh, I bring the window down, recline the seat. He's who's a big dude in, in a you know, 79 Toyota Celica, which are miniature car, tries to like mash his ass across me and out the window and he just stops there for a minute and now he's frozen he's all bent over and scrunched up and he's been holding it too long and the guy in the window is just looking at him and i'm reclined looking out the back window up up at him and i'm i'm thinking he you know i'm yelling go it's go time and he's just like yeah like he's he's too crunched over and bent up and <laughs> yeah. held it too long Not optimal and he's frozen and the guy who's in the jack in the box who who think he thinks we're probably doing a BA like a bare ass sure. just mooning him yeah but we're not going anywhere that was the weird thing. Like, we, you, you hang your ass out, and then you start laughing, and you speed right. off. We're not speeding <laughs> off. I'm just yelling, go. <laughs> He's yelling, I can't. You know? And the guy, the guy just takes his hand, and he slowly closes <laughs> the window. Like, he's just like, I don't know what's going on here, but I don't think there would be any harm in me shutting this window. Right. Yeah. I don't 
think I'd get a sternly worded yeah. letter. Like, dear sirs, we normally get great customer service. <laughs> you didn't let us shit on you. Yeah. So as soon as the thing shuts, boom, explosion. <laughs> Probably a little low in the trajectory department. And I will oftentimes think of that guy. Like, what, what did he say? You know what I mean? Did he say? He had to have said. That's a story he's still telling on Is podcasts. he still telling? Yeah. Or, or is it? Is it? See, I always thought of him as like, you know, the two farmers out in the field and the UFO like lands and then takes off. And then the one farmer goes, did you see that? And the other guy goes, nope. And he goes, me neither. And they walk back into the house. You know what I mean? Like, was it that kind of situation or did he run back in and tell coworkers? I think he told coworkers. I mean, this is like a close to getting shit water in your face moment. And you have to be like, so, you know, I, I, I used my head. I shut the window. These guys came in a Celica pretty low to the ground. Mm-hmm. I knew it was happening. Mm-hmm. I, I think he told everybody. I, yeah. I, I, he continues to tell people. <laughs> He's still alive. Yeah. And he's telling people. I would be. It's his icebreaker. <laughs> yeah, like, that's it's exactly right. <laughs> All right. I don't know. You know, I've, I've, I just feel like at some point, I, I told that story in a book. Like at some point, somebody <laughs> would say to him, you know who that guy was. Or the person's grandchildren should be reaching out eventually. Like, oh. Yes, that's his legacy. Yeah. I was sitting there next to my grandfather on his deathbed, and I said, Grandpa, just tell me one more story. (laughs) And he just whispered, Seleka. All right, we'll take a break. We got more with Chad, and we got news, and we got everything right after this. Have you been looking for something to boost your creativity and productivity while feeling calm and relaxed? Well, you got to check out Moods Creative energized and focused THC products. Mood, known for federally legal THC, is adding their most potent product yet to their lineup. Hemp-based THCA flower, the future of legal THC. For a limited time, Mood is giving my listeners a free THCA pre-roll and 20% off your first order. Just visit hellomood.com. Use the code ADAM. Different strains for specific moods, from euphoric to energized, creative to chill. Oh, man, I like the chill mood stuff myself. <laughs> the other stuff I can summon, but the chill, that's my favorite mood product. However you take THC, mood has you covered. Gummies, classic flower, convenient pre-rolls, and more. Great for both beginner and veteran users. It's mood, right, Dawson? Try Mood's new THCA flower today and for 20% off your first order and a free THCA pre-roll. Go to hellomood.com and use promo code ADAM. That's hello, M-O-O-D.com, code ADAM for 20% off your order and a free THCA pre-roll. I'm on the left because I care about others. I think kids should get, I do, I think kids should get free lunches at school. I also think that school should start at 10 so they can sleep in, and it should go until 5 so they can also have dinner. That is an idea that my brain came up with. What keeps me closer to the line is that my brain also thinks if you're a teenager and you put your hand on a teacher with intent to harm them, that teacher should be able to beat the shit out of you in front of everyone. 
So, here I am. Chad Daniels is on the Adam Carolla Show. Chad, we are talking about your daughter before the yeah. show. She did the uh, does the uh, figure skating. Yeah. My daughter did that uh, for a while. Uh, a little harder out here. So yeah. We live in Minnesota. Size. So yeah. yeah. You yeah. can't run the hose in a front lawn and right. <laughs> get some warm up in out there. Well, plus you, you know, use the hose for so many other things. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're wasting good water. <laughs> we can't make a drink. We got to fill our assholes. <laughs> Is it, uh, and then there's a lot of tournaments and commitments yeah. and do you have to go to all that? Yeah. It's a lot. I mean, I, yeah, choose to. Yeah. It's like, uh, so she's in college right now. And mm-hmm. so she's, she's coming up to the end of it all and she's been skating since she was three. So mm-hmm. I want to see as much as I can before, uh, before she hangs them up. Does she have goals? Is she thinking something beyond? I don't think so. Right now she's just competing because she loves it. Really? Um, when she was little, she was thinking Disney on ice and stuff like that, you know, see the world on somebody right. else's dime. But right. um, not, now she's in college. She's got a major. She's doing all this stuff. So I think she's just happy to get to compete once in a while. Did you, uh, we have kids and uh, I, I don't know, I, I seem, I think we're in the same boat where we're, I feel very compelled to um, take care of my kids. I, I don't mean, you know, financially. I just mean sure. like when they want something, I go, oh, okay, let's figure out how to do this. You know you know what right. I mean? Yeah, like, I, I agree with that. I, I want to figure skate. Okay, let's go down to the local whatever and see what, it, see what skates cost. And everything is just an accommodation to they come in and sometimes they go, you want to go to dinner tonight? And I'll be in my bathrobe and go like, yeah, uh, okay, let me get ready, and then we'll figure it out. Or they might come in and go, I want to do this, whatever that thing is. And then normally I I would like to re- them to realize that. I, I realized when we were kids, there was none of that. Like it didn't <laughs> – and, and also my parents – I don't know if your parents were this way, but my parents were impervious to you asking – Dozens and dozens of times. Like I wanted a mini bike. You know, I wanted mm-hmm. a Honda Trail 50 or an XR75. I'm asked my parents 7,000 times. Right. It was just like, not going to happen. Not going to. I mean, I couldn't imagine living with my son who wanted a mini bike or a trail bike for years. And it was just, he would ask me twice a day, every day for four years. And I'd just uh-huh. be like, no, nope, yep. no. Nah. I think that's a force field passed on from our parents' parents. Mm-hmm. Because they, you know, didn't have the money, they couldn't make it work. Right. So when my kids would come in, they'd be like, "Hey, can I do this?" I would never say yes or no. I'd always just go, "Let's see if we can figure it out." Like you said, right? Right. And so then you go and you make them do the research and come back with like a proposal. But you had something in you, and you know, finances aside, because the reality is, is. You know, I was always poor, but when I hear people talk about poor people can't afford, I was like, we could always figure it was some version, some shitty version of something, but you would figure mm-hmm. it out. You know what I mean? You'd, I wanted a unicycle. Nobody was going to buy me a unicycle, but I knew some guy in Van Nuys whose brother had an old unicycle and it was in the backyard kind of rusting and, it was 10 bucks and I got yeah. it and cleaned it up and oiled it up and fixed it up. And now I had a unicycle. Now, now the kid, if, God forbid, if my fucking kid said I want a unicycle, I'd just be on Amazon and the thing would be arriving that afternoon. Right. But 
the the thing where parent I always think is a cop out where they go we didn't have any you know you you go, yeah okay we didn't have to go down to the Honda dealership and buy me a brand new XR seventy five but there's some beat up mini bike we fix it up ourselves in the garage kind of version of me getting a mini bike my parents were just it was nothing no they just say no every time they didn't even. Saying no was too big a calorie burner for them. They just <laughs> pretended not to hear me, but it just wasn't going to happen. But I'm curious. So I just got I got my ass handed to me by my daughter in a in like a perfect storm yesterday, which you probably know as a dad, right? I've probably had it happen. <laughs> you find you find that the daughters are a little more vocal, and maybe their metronome is a little faster than the boys. Yeah, and then sometimes there's a like a, a you know they can draw tears into their eyes. No, yes. no tear drops, but it just you can right. see them welling in the eyes. And they, uh, they'll go from zero to upset fast. Yeah, and so <laughs> we're not equipped for that. Here's the perfect storm. So I get I'm coming home from work yesterday, and I get the text from my daughter. Uh, there's something on my car that's underneath the car that's flapping down like a piece of metal or something that was stuck to the car. Can you come home and fix it? So then, then she goes, I'll park the car in the garage. So I go, okay, park it in the garage. And when I get home, I'll get down on the ground with the flashlight and see what I can sort this problem. So I come home and she's in the garage but the garage has the car plug-in charger okay. on it, and I want to charge my car up. So I pull in right next to the garage, like block her in there so I can get the cord out mm. and plug my car in because the cords are like only like six foot long. Okay. So I plug it in. And then I proceed to get out the flashlight and crawl around on the garage floor under this stupid car <laughs> looking for this piece of sheet metal. Then I go in the house, and as I'm walking in the house, I get a text from her going, Olga the nanny fixed it, <laughs> which already would be incomprehensible. She <laughs> like, pulled the Mercedes in the garage and dispatched a nanny, <laughs> Mrs. Goodwrench, to go fix it, right? So now it's fixed, right? So I go, okay. So I go, um, all right, and then she goes, I'm going to workout class or whatever. Well, another thing that would have never been on the table, some class. Right, of course. For some workout, go to the fucking yard and run a circle until you pass out. <laughs> Don't drink out of that hose. Drink out of the one in the, one in the hose bib in the back. Yeah, always. Yeah. Always the hose bib in the back. So, and then come back in and go to bed. So I say to her last night, I go, I'm, I'm blocking you in, you know. And she goes, I'm getting a ride. I go, okay. Night goes by, go to bed. Daddy has to get up early, do some radio, plug some gigs, you know, the usual. And uh, I'm on the phone with some Colorado station at like eight in the morning. And she just comes running down the hall. Dad, you're blocking me in. You know, like they're very upset. You it's know what I mean? I, get, I leave myself one minute to do everything. Uh, right. And God damn it. You are in the way. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm running late. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, you're running you're running like, why well, I have to do a shoulder roll and dive down the <laughs> stairs? So she, she, she's just coming down the hall. I'm being interviewed by a radio station, right? So uh, she comes running down the hall. She goes, Dad, I'm running late. Move the car. And I go, yeah. You know, I, I do like the hand wave, like, you know. And she goes, come on. You know, and I'm like, so 
she's running down. She's in the car, and she's she's going to be on the horn in the next you know eighteen <laughs> seconds. So I'm on the radio show, and I'm trying to figure out a way to do this, but I can't really figure out how to jump in the car without the phone connecting to the car, and then the seatbelt, <laughs> bing, 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 you know, and the radio's on and and stuff. So I'm just I'm just telling them I'm I, I got a thing going on, and I just jump in the car and like. When I get down there, she's holding on to the cord that's plugged in the car and wrestling with it because I you have she's to urgent. unlock the car to do it. She's like got her foot on the fender and she's <laughs> biting it, you know, and like fighting with it. I'm like, just calm down. She's like, come on. How did we get from 30 seconds ago, none of this was happening, and now there's a bomb in the house? What was she late for? She's late for school. Okay. But she was late for school. Right. That's, yeah. that's my thing. But now I'm caught up in it, yeah. and these radio guys are hearing the whole argument, <laughs> and they're hearing me jump in the car, and then the car switches over to the Bluetooth or the whatever, and, and the chime's going off, and I'm unplugging it, I'm backing it off. It's making a new noise for, for backing up now, and they're going, what's going on? We think we lost you. And I'm like, oh, don't burn. And she's pulling out of the garage, and I figured out. But could you imagine that scenario when you were a kid? Oh, my God. I tried to wake my dad up to bring me to school because I missed the bus one day. And he mm-hmm. was like, nice try. Right. It's three miles away. You know how to get there. Walk. Really? And that's how it always worked. That's how it worked. I mean, there's no way if you were like, I'm late for school. They were like, well, I guess you're going to miss however long it takes you to walk three miles. <laughs> and you were, did you grow up in Minnesota? Yeah, northern Minnesota, yeah. So you had some snow to Yeah, nobody deal cared, with. though, because they were like, we're all dealing with it. Yeah. We bought you a jacket. Yeah. Get out there and walk to school. But it was never, you couldn't count on your parents to like, I mean, help you. <laughs> I hate to say <laughs> no, it like that, but it's like they, they started you on the trajectory to adulthood way faster than we do to, for kids now. Oh, just something as simple as a ride somewhere was a big deal. Yeah. My mom, <laughs> laziest mom on the planet, my mom had a 24-hour policy, which is like if you – want a ride somewhere, mm-hmm. I need 24 hours advance notice. <laughs> like, you had to get your bid in for the ride from North Hollywood to Sherman Oaks, like two and a half miles. You had to get that shit in 24 hours in advance and probably working hours too, probably before 5 p.m. on weekdays. Like, she had, her policy was she needed 24 hours for, for a, for a, a seven-minute drive. That's my mom didn't need that, but she would shame you. She would, you'd go, hey, can I get a ride home from basketball practice? And she'd look at you for, you know, slowly exhaling smoke after right. a long drag. Right. And she'd be like, sure. That's it. Right. So now when I hear the word sure and people mean yes, I can't handle it. Oh, right. That's like some childhood shit where I just Flashback. go, eh, fucking forget it. Yeah. One of the greatest. My parents were super cheap and super downtrodden, but. One of the greatest conversations I, I remember having with my mom, I mean, it's pretty classic. She, the guy I got the unicycle from, uh, Ted Lewis, lived in Van Nuys. We lived in North Hollywood. You could walk there if you were motivated. Sure. I would also just ride my bicycle there if, if I couldn't get a ride. So it's like close enough that you could get there on a kid's bike. It, it would take you 45 minutes an hour, but you, you could make it, which I would. But I wanted to ride to Ted's house. And I said to my mom, 
And I got a little older and I started doing the math because she would always go, gas is so expensive. Yeah, she drove a VW. You know what I mean? She'd drive a Hearst, right? She didn't have a Winnebago. It was a fucking VW. Like, oh, it's a Dodge with a Hemi and open headers. You know, she drove a fucking VW. Like, nothing got better mileage in 1977 than a, than a VW. You know, she had a VW. And... And, you know, and by the way, everyone was going nuts because gas was like 71 cents a gallon or something, but it was 30 cents, you know, the whole time. And there's an oil embargo and Jimmy Carter and all that shit. So, <clears throat> so she's like, oh, gas, you know, it's way too rich for our blood, you know, surface streets, by the way, from, from here to there, like you wouldn't even get on the freeway. And I did some math. I was like, listen, I think Ted's house is like four miles from here. That's eight miles there and back. Your car gets 27 miles to the gallon. So we're really only talking about like a third of a gallon. <laughs> and that is about 23 cents. And she went, every time you start the car, it costs money. Fan belts, <laughs> oil. Turn it on. Fan belts. <laughs> really, she was getting into gear. She was getting into like gears and bearings and, you know, those b- b- bearings and the hubs and brake liners and stuff. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, all right, yes, you do technically use moving parts. Yes, they're partsmen. <laughs> I, I will concede you that. Every time you start the car, it costs money. And meanwhile, she has no idea how much water you guys are using from the <laughs> No, she's not a clue. No. You guys are running that thing 24 hours. Oh, my God. <laughs> that thing is just going off like a dervish. <laughs> it's whirling like a dervish. You ever heard the term whirling dervish? I haven't. Is it real? Yeah, and that's excusable. Whirling dervish. Whirling dervish. Chris, you've heard whirling dervish. Only from you, actually. I don't. I don't think I've. Is that it, geographical vernacular? It's it's it it means to twirl around a lot, to spin around a lot, but it's a dance from like the uh, okay. Middle East, I think, or India, or somewhere. We can figure it out. Where the dervish? Well, I don't know where the dervish from. It says here that a dervish is a member of a Muslim. Uh, specifically Sufi religious order who has taken vows of poverty and austerity. Dervishes first appeared in the 12th century. They were noted for their wild or ecstatic rituals and were known as dancing or whirling or howling dervishes, according to the practice of their order. Oh, man, I missed it when those uh, Islamic folk would just put ceremonial garb on and spin in a circle. <laughs> those were Those were simpler times. Yes, the dervish would would spin. There were whirling dervish. There were big high hats and long flowing smocks and <laughs> skirts. <laughs> and they just spun yeah. into a circle. They looked like they're on a string. <clears throat> yeah, like or that. like a music box or something. Man, you know what you'd want one of these guys for? You'd hire one of these guys as a ringer for your softball team that did the thing where you had to chug a beer and then put your head on the bat and spin around home plate. Slosh ball. Slosh ball. Fucking go with an old dervish team. The other team starts protesting. Hey, these are my bros from work. Come on, Ace. Come on. You know Hamid. I'm Gad. Come on. We hang out, right? Oh, this is an all ringer dervish slosh ball. Slosh ball team. I believe you brought in the whirling dervishes. <laughs> hey, man. 
You had a guy play triple A ball. Yeah, but he worked at the same factory. That's not the same thing. You go into the Dervish community and recruiting is way out of bounds. Hey, and then I'd pull the rule book off. You tell me in the rule book where it says, I can't go cherry pick Dervish. Now, the problem would happen when they were out playing shortstop or center field just booting. Yeah. You know, just fucking ground balls through the legs. Look like little leaguers chasing butterflies. Right, right. <laughs> but they could do the bat spin oh, brew chug. Big time. Is that still a thing? <laughs> I promise you. It's yeah. still practiced by them, yes. The the beer chug with the bat on the forehead? Oh, slosh ball? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, thinking, I was still on whirling dervishes. I haven't played soft slosh ball. In Someone's got to recruit some dervish. thirties. There's probably an all dervish team. Yeah. And then you could get the howling dervishes to cheer them on. Oh, put them up in the stands. Tell me something. Yeah, yeah. You want to talk about? Uh, yeah, real, real hometown team yeah. there. Like you, you could definitely have an advantage. God, it scared the hell out of everybody. They'd be like, "Hey, better, better, better!" Hubba, hubba, hubba! Ding, ding, ding! Pitch it! Are they howling? <laughs> I don't see. I know whirling dervish, but I don't know howling dervish. Whirling Dervish was just a phrase where they'd go, oh, that guy got spun around like a whirling dervish. Or they'd say, he blew through here like a whirling dervish. I've never heard it. Or that water meter was spinning around (laughs) like a whirling dervish. Yeah, this is my problem. I don't blame you because you're not in the dance community. That's true. That I'm aware of. I never have been. I never have been. You're not part of that community. Good guess. But when I did Dancing with the Stars and I was talking to my uh, my partner, Julianne Huff, and I was like, I've had 7,000 of these conversations. Like, all right, let's get started. She goes, you do this thing and spin around. And I go, oh, I'll spin around like a whirling dervish. And she goes, what? And I go, a whirling dervish. And she goes, huh? I go, come on. All you do is dance. You've heard this <laughs> phrase before. Never heard it. You've oh. heard it. Now we argue. Now we spend the first half hour dance <laughs> rehearsal arguing over dervish. It was common nomenclature uh, growing up. I've heard whirling dervish uh, at least a million times, and I'd never had any idea. I knew what it meant. It meant you were whirling. I That's... think I think the over-under, there must be a cutoff, and the mm. cutoff must be 50. Probably. I think if you're... Wait, how old are you, Dawson? I'll be 50 in March. Oh, He's the cutoff. You're, you're the cutoff for the whirling dervish. Here's uh, another... Because uh, Chad's under 50, and he doesn't know it. March okay. what? 12. Okay. March 2nd here, it'd be 49. Nice, dude. We roll. Um, here is a little feather in your cap about the slosh ball getting the dervishes, mm. because the Sufis are one of the few sects of Islam that allow drinking. I oh, knew damn. it. Yeah. You're, You're on to yeah. something. Yeah. The the dervishes drink. Drinking is celebrating God. Yeah, because you, can't, oh, wow. you can't go with the near beer because that's like cork in the bat. Yeah, I mean, dude, yes. in slosh ball, there's a keg at second base. Yeah, you it's, 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 certi- yeah. it's certified. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I picked the dervish. Yeah. Because we're one of the few smart. muscles that can drink. That's right. You guys walk into the championship thinking you got it made, and then it's the Tasmanian Devil team. They yeah. just <laughs> beat the shit out of you guys. <laughs> the dervish team. And they try to get us on some rules like, hey, they're Muslims. They can't. Uh, uh, that's I got, celebrating I brought, God. I brought the paperwork. <laughs> All right. We should uh, take a break and do some news. Want to do that? Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that. 
right after this. Hey, it's Adam Carolla. And this is Dr. Drew. We are changing things up for the new year, and we want you to end the week with the two of us. That's right. Brand new episodes now on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of each week. So sequentially, thank you and mahalo. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy our season's greetings category with nine holiday channels, including holiday movie favorites by Lifetime, Festive Fireplace, Holiday Lights, and Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. In honor of Jim Carolla's 92nd birthday, here's a list of all the things Adam Carolla will do before he dies. Dislocate his shoulder to get out of a straitjacket. Just one of the things Adam will do before he dies. Let's get back to the Adam Carolla Show. Chad Daniels, comedian, is here. He's got very funny stand-up special, mixed reviews. It looks really good, too. Oh, thanks. And uh, it's on YouTube. It's very funny. It's about 48 minutes. Oops, sorry, 48 minutes. And uh, something for everyone in it. Yeah. Live shows <clears throat> all around the country as well. And I think you should go to uh, chaddaniels.com. That's right. Find out all the live dates. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into the news, something that's I've been thinking about, but I'm not sure if you've seen it. But I feel like Dawson has, because Dawson and I are the only ones who astutely follow commercials. There is a... I've been seeing commercials for different products, but all for the same purpose. Chicks talking about an all-body deodorant. Like it's a cream that you, you mm. put on, you put this cream on. It's it's for not dudes, right? I it's a chick. It's doing, a chick saying it, and I think she's selling it to dudes. I think it's called like Mano or something. Mando. Or some, yeah. yeah, I think that's right. Now, but she's talking about all over and you're parts you know what i mean yeah she created it and i don't know that it doesn't feel like it's directed toward dudes but it could be toward dudes and chicks yeah it's directed at their wives are we supposed to put it on our hog we're supposed to get it in a christmas stocking is this like a sack thing i think yeah it's it's all over but it's also that because when they say all over they're not talking about your forehead well i think your arms your uh, every i mean it's yeah but your arms you're the top of your hands don't stink, you know right. what I mean? Like they're they're talking about your parts. In the video, she even put it on her hand. Yeah, but in the on the box for the vibrator, there's a picture of a chick putting it on her neck. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not for that, but what what else are they going to put on the box? <laughs> you know, I'm I think it's for the crotch. I think it's uh, I think it's, it's crotch it stuff. It's, it's, it's not it's, for the folds of your elbows. It's a butthole cream. Oh, you go butthole. I think you go butthole too. Well, but yeah, when you're hosing it off three times a day, what do you need? To, <laughs> yeah, what do you need true. the cream for? Man? <laughs> you can eat off that day. All right, well, let's look at the commercial. It says pits and packages. It says pits and pack. It says use pits and packages. All right, let's just see it for your ball sacks. No more powder in your wig. No more. Oh wait, she's doing but whoa, 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 whoa! It's not the one I saw. She's talking about the ball sack? I think I yeah, may be right. Sure. Well, I want to watch this one. So okay, let's watch this one. This is her this is her internet commercial. This is the... Okay. 
This is the perfect deodorant for your ball sacks. No more powder in your wig. No more extra <laughs> cologne for your balls. Mando stops odor before it starts down there where everything is really close together. I created the world's first whole body deodorant called Lumi. But so many men like reached out oh, to me and said, will yeah. you please create a deodorant <laughs> that I can that. use everywhere on my body? For men, we want cologne quality sense. We want it to be outrageously effective, but it cannot be a product that was created by a gynecologist. Uh -huh. so here I am, your friendly gynecologist, letting you know about Mando. Mando is oh, the first Mando. ever whole body deodorant for men. Mando can be used on your pits, your packages, and your feet. We have three amazing scents. My favorite bourbon leather. There's bourbon, <laughs> vanilla, <laughs> and leather. It's That's good. Spunk, rugged, drunk. Clean. My husband just used it this morning and I can't stop sniffing him. Pro Sport, <laughs> super clean. This is kind of like the best smelling soap in your life. Mount Fuji is spicy. It's minty. It's she wanted to say uh, boobs, balls, and buttholes. So you can't go wrong. Yeah. Cologne quality sense, outrageously effective odor control. Okay. Stop. All yeah. right. So Mando is the dude version of the Luigi Lumi, Lumi, Lumi which is yes, the first one. Spin off. Okay. So it's, it's your nether regions. I mean, it's not going to hurt to put on your feet, but. This is ball sack. And can we see the thousands of emails from all the guys <laughs> yeah. that Where's had the to write in? There's no way. There's no That's one. just from wives going, my dude's dick stinks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chad fix walks it. receipts. Yeah, yeah. Fix it. Not buying that part. I'll tell you why I think this is ingenious. Because she says balls, right? Right at the yeah. top. Ball sack, mm -hmm. yeah. Came hard R. I would go ball sack, but I'd go give it a little, give it a little love to the joint, too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the reason I would say that is because most dudes, after slathering their sack up at this stuff, would go, I'm just going to spread a little even even layer on the joint over here. And they'd spread a little bit. And then they'd go, I'll toss a little more on there for safety. <laughs> Next thing you know, full beat off mode, right? Squeezing it on. Exactly. <laughs> Honey, I need a new tube of the Mando. <laughs> Jesus Christ, just showed up yesterday. Uh, yeah, we need more. Does it come in a vat? <laughs> Once guys start lubing up with it and beating off with it, it's on. It's $32 for five ounces. Maybe uh, beat off with the normal lotion. Hey, you want to go Jergens and slum it? <laughs> I feel like my hog's worth the Mando. <laughs> Step up to Mando. Yeah, I, could, I, I, get the, I get the ball sack. That's a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's like, especially if you're shaving your sack mm -hmm. and it's getting hot and it's, you know, it's moisture. got some, some thigh stickage. Cleavage. You're going to want to put something on it. I agree. Because it just sits down there. Listen, I love her spirit. She's very excited about it. She's sniffing her husband still. <laughs> After all these years of marriage, because he smelled like bourbon leather. <laughs> sniffing yeah, him. Probably at this very moment. I love how they always have to package it for, for guys, like with the... You know, bourbon leather and right. you know, I, I, my girlfriend bought me some eye cream for mm -hmm. men, and it's called Eye Defender. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. just we can't He's, use anything that's eye cream. It's got to right. defend your eyes. <laughs> I'll tell man. you what, <laughs> I'll tell you what, ladies, if you ever find Mando in your man's husband pouch, um, and you didn't buy it for him, he's cheating on you. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, if you. Yeah, if that guy's dropping his shorts to get into bed and a plume of bourbon and leather scent comes from his groin, he's stepping out. There's an old song called Smell Yo Dick. 
Mm. Remember that one? Yeah, Burr Alive. <laughs> <laughs> Smell your, your dick. dick. Yeah. Smell your That's dick. Yep. <laughs> All right. Should we do uh, should we do a little Dawson's loving Burr Alive. <laughs> He's the guy who sung Silver and Gold on the, the Christmas special. Silver and Gold. Silver and Gold. Blood hole and balls. <laughs> I uh I may turn the corner on this Mando stuff. You're going to get some? Let's try it. Well, I'll yeah. go and have these with you if you want to try it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll get the first half. <laughs> I want the top. All right. That's fair. Um, yeah, because I the sack is capable of creating a scent that you can't really control. You know what I mean? Yep. The, the pits are controllable. The ass is controllable, especially with the hose or the yeah. Yeah. toilet seat. But the sack, that's just... Dancing to the beat of its own, its own tune, you know. Like you really can't control the sack. Yeah, my son and I used to hike the Beartooth Pass in Montana. Oh, here we go. And it was like eight days. You know, mm. you put on the wool underwear because mm. it's supposed to be moisture wicking, all that stuff, and you wash in streams and all that. But you get done, and goddamn, it takes a yeah. full four days of real showering and bathing. You can shower up, lather up, and clean up, and just. Put your shorts on and hit the road in your car and get to work. And 45 minutes later, it's starting to it's starting to work something. Yeah, that that's where the Mando comes in. That's good. All right, I like this woman. Get you a bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of cold weather, three Kansas City Chiefs fans have mysteriously died. Um, they say that. They froze to death in a friend's backyard after watching a playoff game. So this is actually when they were playing the Chargers on the 7th. Uh, this guy had some friends over, and then supposedly he just went, He, you know, they, they had some drinks. He got tired. He's like, hey, you guys let yourself out. I'm going to bed. He goes to bed, and these guys, the, the friends just never come home. So their wives are irate. Their girlfriends are irate. They, they, they come knocking at the house. The guy's not answering. They break in, and they find these three guys frozen dead in the backyard. And the guy's like, I had no idea. I knew they were there. That's booze. That's all booze. That's a hundred percent booze. Three dudes. I mean, they're just they were just pounding them and pumped about the the yeah. Chiefs win. Those and, are some serious alcoholics, and the fact that they found each other. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. they died well, doing they what they love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it thins your blood, and plus, if that guy before he went to bed filled his asshole up and sprayed him. That's going to help the or freezing process. filled it up and it froze. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> inside. Yeah, yeah, it could happen. Yeah. So so the loved, uh, I mean, the loved ones, the uh, the significant others, they're, they're raising questions like, this should be looked as a homicide. They think that foul play um, is is definitely part of this. They're they're asking questions. They're like, they don't, they want the police to really investigate the police. They're like, no, nope, we're investigating this um, not as a homicide. But why? So did someone owe someone money or something? Like, what would be in it for the the guy who went into the house who was probably also lit and sure. wanted to crash and, out? And he was their friend, right? Yeah. So he he got he's so upset about this. He already has moved. Like, oh, really? Yeah. This is now. If somebody dies inside the house for like the first few years, you have to tell the realtor. That has to be yeah. in California, at least. It's got it's got to be divulged, mm -hmm. you know. Like you know, if you had a radon problem, or the house flooded, or something, you just you have to sign a thing saying this is this happened, you know. What about dying outside of the house? Like what about in the yard? Hmm. I don't know if you have to tell anybody, but it would be just a nice 
hey, if you're drinking too much, when it's 30 below zero, <laughs> use your brain and come inside. Go inside, yeah. It'd be a, like a PSA? Yeah, something, just a just a little helpful hint. But he's selling the house. Does the realtor divulge? Like, I, don't, why? I don't think you have to. So when he goes, because <laughs> they'll always go, like, why are you selling the house? Why is your client selling the house? Oh, his company moved to Oregon. <laughs> Definitely wasn't three buddies dying All right. <laughs> in the backyard. Here's the rule. Oh, the rule. A seller or listing agent may not make any misrepresentations regarding the property. If mm. asked directly, the seller or listing agent must answer honestly about any of deaths that have occurred on the property. On the property. No, no matter how long ago. So but, you got to yeah. ask. Yeah. Okay. Well, huh. there you go. Two lessons. Yeah. It's the first question. How many bathrooms has That's anybody right. died here? Yeah. <laughs> It's a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, four dudes died in the backyard drinking. Yeah, Zillow just should add that stat. Mm -hmm. in the, uh, in the yeah, they should, yeah. Thing, yeah. But the Chiefs won. That's right. <laughs> the Chiefs won. They sure did. Um, now, also, a lot of uh, people on TikTok are taking notice of frozen alligators mm. that are going around, So, it, especially in Texas and North Carolina. Mm. So I guess alligators do this thing called brumation, which is uh, they're like they're hibernation mm -hmm. but for reptiles. So and they uh, they they just as they feel the water solidifying, they just put their snout above above water, above, and then they just they just freeze and let the water freeze around them. And wow, their heart rate goes down to. Uh, you can play the video on mute. It's okay. They, they, Man, their, their heart rate goes down to like three beep, beats per minute. Mm. Three. Wow. And yeah, and they're just alive, and and they're not. They're not in a deep sleep like hibernation, so they're actually still conscious. They drink water and they just they just hang like that. Alligators are the baddest mofos in the world because no other animal would attempt attempt to sleep in a swamp. You know what I mean? Because you go, you know, I wouldn't go like I'm gonna go down to the swamp and catch some Z's. You'd be like, you're gonna get eaten by a snake or a gator or something. Like they're they're the only one. They're like the Mike Tyson of the swamp. You know what I mean? Like. In his prime, Mike Tyson could sleep on any park bench he wanted to. For sure. Who's going to fuck with him. Yeah. They're like they're so badass. They're like, I'm just going to nap in a swamp. I'd say even today, Mike Tyson. Could nap in a swamp? In, yeah. Oh, could, our park yeah. bench. Yeah, Any, anywhere he wants. Anywhere he wants. Does. Yeah. I got, a, I got an update for you. Mm. So, uh, as usual, you're correct. In California, uh, no matter what kind of death it is, a death on the property, not necessarily How? in the house, on the property... It happened within the last three years. It has to be known. Now, when it comes to murder, mm. murder or suicide, pretty much every state uh, says that you have to disclose there was a violent death on this property. Wow. Because you got to get the gay guy in with the sage to clear it. You know what I mean? It's like, hello, sweet spirit. You okay. Know, he, uh, I had a buddy who bought a house. Uh, there was a murder in it. And he knew about it, and everyone else was kind of put off by it. And he's like, this price reduction is unbelievable. Yeah. So he still bought the house, even though there was a murder in it, and that's it. I mean, nothing. The one place you don't have to tell anybody? Kansas. Really? Yep. Hmm. All right. But this is KC. Interesting. Yeah. My friend just bought a house, and the census came by, and um, they asked, and they, they let him know, like, hey, your address has actually been recently changed. This is after he bought the house. Like, oh, what was the old address? And it was 666, mm. whatever the street mm. name is. And yeah, he didn't know that. And My was, kids were supposed to be born on 666. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, 
Pawn Stars, the uh, the the host Rick Harrison. So his son just died, hmm. and he um, yeah, age thirty nine, I believe. And, wow. Um, and they they announced why, and it's fentanyl. Wow. So God damn that thing, huh? Yeah, yeah. So he is now blaming the border crisis for this. He's saying that uh, this fentanyl crisis in this country must be taken more seriously. It seems it's just flowing over the borders and nothing's being done about it. We must do better. It'd be nice. Yeah. Listen, I told you guys, uh, Dr. Drew has been saying to me for 10 years probably, and this is kind of, you allude to this in your your stand-up special. You know, like, where are we going, like, as a country? Because Drew knows I'm a soothsayer. I'm a whirling dervish of sooth. <laughs> sure. And I said, uh, I'll tell you where we're going. Safe spaces and octagons. They're just Texas and Florida. There's going to be octagons. And then Oregon and California is just going to be safe spaces. Like people are going to go, fuck that. I want my gun. I want my border. I want my shit. And they're going to, they're just going to clear out. And then what's going to happen is at some point, the safe spaces are going to go to the octagons and go, hey, we need money or we need shit, you know, and they're going to go fuck off. And then there's going to be an issue. Texas is when, hey, federal government, enforce the border. And the federal government's like, we're not. They don't say we're not. They just say we are, but nothing ever happens. And so Texas goes, well, then fuck this. We're putting up our own barbed wire. And then the federal government's like, take down the barbed wire. And and now Texas is like, we're not taking down the barbed wire. And this is the beginning of the safe spaces in the octagons. Because at a certain point, the federal government says to Texas, we told you to take down the barbed wire and the barb and and Texas says it's in the Constitution. You're not defending the border. We owe it to our citizens to protect our border. So we're leaving it up. We're leaving it up. And now we're into a weird situation. Do do we send troops to Texas? And then how does Texas respond? So this is the beginning mm-hmm. of of this, which which will be interesting. I'm not putting it on this Pawn Stars guy at all, but at some point, don't you think you can't blame the border? You have to say like, hey, hey, my my children, right? Keep it in your house. My children don't do drugs that can be laced with fentanyl because that will absolutely kill you, right? Like I, I have a lake house in the summertime. I live there and I'm like... I get all these people that come and they're like, well, the kids don't go in the water unless I'm out here. We'll teach you fucking kids to swim. Yeah. You know, you got to take responsibility a little bit. Well, I think the problem is fentanyl is finding its way into everything. And I think that's what's fucking people up. I, I don't think they're no one's doing fentanyl. Sure, right. They're it's doing laced. prescription pain pills that are bootlegged. Right. And that's what's fucking them up. So they have like a pain pill addiction they think they're taking a percocet and they're taking fentanyl and that's what's in everything now you're right it's in everything it's it's like that seed oil that's in everything now sunflower whatever safflower and sunflower yeah it's it's everywhere now so now the moral stories do do no drugs but then the problem comes with unfortunately telling Drug users not to do drugs almost never works. Well, right, of course. We need to have a campaign to have people get back toward drinking. (laughs) I'm in. I'm in, too. I'll help you guys. Please. (laughs) I'll lead by example. Yes, we went too hard into the put the booze down and people pick something up. We can make a move back toward cigarettes and booze. I think we'd have a healthier nation. I've never heard anybody yell, Jack Daniels has fentanyl in it. Right. Never going to happen. Let's do it. Totally safe. Um, All right. So Madonna... 
She is being sued by fans in New York. Yeah, I Do you heard know that. why? Okay. She's tardy. She's tardy. Yeah, the so party. She was once again very late for her concert. Um, they, these two fans said they wouldn't have paid for these tickets had they known the show would end so late. So the show was supposed to start at 8.30, and it didn't start till 10.30, ending around 1 a.m. Yeah. And like they're like, hey, it's a weeknight. We have things to do in the morning. Like they're, we, This is false advertising. May, mm-hmm. I, may I say something? Yes. Boo fucking who? <laughs> have you ever been to a concert? Grow up, right? I mean, Axl Rose didn't come on stage until midnight for a long one of his tours i mean he was always on the tour bus forever coming out late the show didn't get done till three it's almost part mm. of the experience right yeah i like, saw the foo fighters at wrigley field one time and there there's a noise ordinance at 11 and that's when Grohl was out on his throne mm-hmm. he would pull oh, him he all the way his leg, yeah, yeah. it was great and he came out he goes hey just so you guys know there's a noise ordinance so we gotta we gotta get going and the crowd is like we get it but this sucks and then he went back on his throne, came back out again. He goes, I just talked to the boys, and we just found 250 grand. Bow, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> wow. I started playing again, and it wow. was great, right? But you know that concerts are going to last that long. Yeah. You have to think that. That's been going on since the beginning of music. Well, it is rock and roll. It's not really pop, but mm. it's rock and roll for sure. But then Lauren Hill does it as well. Sure. So I think the moral of the story is is – I think the artist should try to start the show on time in general, whatever the art form is. Yeah, if they can. Uh, I think I think they can. I just think <laughs> if they don't or it's rock and roll or whatever. And then whatever it is, you have to be consistent. So you can start two hours late, but you have to start two hours late every concert because then the people that are showing up can gauge you. You know what I mean? So – as long as she's consistent. If Madonna's consistently late, then mm-hmm. I would give her a pass. Right. If she was prompt for the five gigs before this and then did two hours late, then maybe there's an issue. Right. But I think she's consistently late, though, so it's I almost expected. So do you think this is a play on food and beverage sales? I, I think I think it's a diva sort of... I, I think there's a diva aspect to it. I also think there's a kind of foreplay aspect to it that like you don't want to do this, but you're gonna like it. You'll you'll be glad we did it. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have spoken on this because I would never go see Madonna in concert, so I would never want to wait two hours to see her. I would never want to see her if she was. I mean, great, she's great, but I would never pay for a ticket. Yeah, not ever. I don't think I would either. I would see Madonna because I've seen Siegfried and Roy, and. And I saw Siegfried and Roy and everyone made fun of me. And then it got bit by a tiger a week later. And now I look like the smart one, you know. (laughs) And people would have said that about Elvis. Because we would have talked about Elvis in 1976. Like, come on, Crosby, Stills, and Nash is in town. Fuck that fat old bloated, you know, that's your mom's, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But at at some point later in life, you'd want to say, I saw Elvis. And, And I feel that way. I feel that way with Madonna to a certain degree. Whereas I'm not a, I don't like Madonna songs per se. I'm not a big Madonna fan. I'd like to say I saw Madonna at some point. I would love somebody to see Prince. There you go. Same same thing. It's a Minnesota yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. Right. Um, so the Tesla Cybertruck. What do you What do you think of that? I like the Tesla Cybertruck because 
they take like a Dodge Ram, put it on a trailer, and then like race a Porsche 911 in the quarter mile and beat it and shit. Like I, I like the hard in the paint. I mean, it's it's not going to be long until there's like a Ford F250 park and Elon takes the Tesla and leans it on the back like it's getting butt-fucked by the Tesla <laughs> and takes that picture like it's an Aerosmith album or something. It, we're not that far away. As a matter of fact, if oh. I said that to Elon, he'd go, oh, that's a fucking great idea. Like just him yeah, just raping a ram from behind, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I like, I like all the stunts and the whatever. The thing looks like an 80s futuristic, like how we thought trucks were supposed to look in the 80s when they make futuristic movies. Yeah. Like Damnation Alley. That's what the truck would have looked like. I think they were going for that. Yeah, this looks very Judge Dredd. Yes, very Judge Dredd. It's exactly right. So it has a stainless steel body. Um, and in the owner's manual, it says to prevent damage to the exterior, please immediately remove corrosive substances like grease oil, bird poop, mm-hmm. tree resin. And they said, don't wait. Like, don't wait for when you think your car needs a wash. Just wash it immediately because it's going to damage the stainless steel. Yeah. Stainless steel turns out to stain. Of course, the DeLorean was a stainless steel car. Uh, And then some people painted DeLoreans. Right. So you're going to see these super trucks, you know, fire engine red. And and people are going to start wrapping them and... Shit like that. But it's it's hard to keep the stainless steel cool. Right. But they, they obviously chose this because uh, Musk wanted to project an image of a tough vehicle. That's where the butt fuck thing comes yeah. in. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. That Cybertruck's definitely a top. Oh, for sure. A yeah. top. Put yeah. prison bars around it before you take the picture. <laughs> That's right. Barbed wire. We yeah. Take, we'll, we'll do a shot with a Ford, a Dodge, and a Chevy, and in each one... We'll get the windshield wiper sprayer going like it's crying <laughs> as it's being taken from behind. And then it can say, built Ford. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so the, it's been it's now being reported that um, during uh, Al Franken's pod, it was on Al Franken's podcast. He had a, a, a former SNL writer on there. And they're talking about who is going to replace Kevin Neal, and um, you know, eventually they chose Norm Macdonald. But if oh, it, for the news, yeah, for a weekend update. Excuse me. So, if it weren't for Norm, though, the the person they were considering right uh, next, Bill Maher. Yeah. Yeah. So they were. So people are talking about what what that would have been like. You know, I don't get with Bill Maher. I like Bill Maher. He every year they're they're handing out the Emmys and. They're given, you know, Trevor um, Noah, Noah, uh, his stuff, and it's a little affirmative action-y, But they're giving it, they're giving it to him. They they keep giving it to uh, what's John Oliver, name? Oliver, and stuff like that. Um, you know, um, Stephen Colbert gets nominated. Lots, you know, um, all those John Stewart and everything. Jimmy Kimmel, uh, Mar never gets nominated. He doesn't. Now, listen, I watch all of these shows. Mar does a really fucking nice job. And his clips get shared all the time. All interview clips, new rules clips, like monologue clips. I mean, these just spread out like wildfire. What? Why never? 
Now, again, he'll, he would say, and I, he's right. It's like, it's not him. It's his writers. His writers deserve, you know, mm-hmm. you say I'm an Emmy award winning or whatever, deserve to get that thing. You know, new rules. I mean, that's some of the best written stuff you'll see and the most consistent weekly stuff you'll see. His name never comes up at the Emmys. And I think it's because he crossed them. He crossed the line with those people because he's no longer a wokester anymore. He's kind of libertarian, kind of in the middle, going after the woke kids, like going after the people protesting against Palestine and shit like that. He he has run afoul of that group. And, and he's not a right winger. He just did enough to run afoul of them. Yeah. And I don't I think that's why he's persona non grata. And John over Oliver there. and Trevor Noah are now in separate categories. One's like right. unscripted and one's scripted. Right. And Bill Maher falls in both of those categories. <laughs> and it's not that he doesn't win, is that he doesn't get nominated. And what I would call one of the more important shows of our time in that People notably go on and people go, did you see the interview with so-and-so? And and people share his new rules all the time. I don't I don't have people go, hey, did you see Trevor Noah's bid on whatever? Mm. I think he's run afoul of these people. Could be. I've never seen the show. You've never so, seen the no, show? No, but I'm oh, going great. to now that uh, oh. you guys are talking about it. I'm going to watch that show. I'm going to listen to Madonna. <laughs> I got a lot of shit to do when I Put go. Put a hose yeah. in your ass. Yeah, but I am for sure going to watch because it sounds interesting. I think it's political. Could be. Did you? So the Oscar noms came out uh, today as we as we record this. Yeah. And uh, I was going to send uh, Jimmy a text, give him a heads up. <laughs> like I don't know if I said anything. And I'm watching Fast and Furious Five right now, so I don't really have time for this. But just a heads up, you should know. Yeah. Came out. You know. <laughs> All the usual suspects were nominated because uh, mm-hmm. you know it's been award season. But the the big snubs are uh, Margot Robbie didn't get nominated for. Uh, lead actress, uh, Greta Gerwig didn't get nominated for best director for Barbie. Oh, but she got it for writing. Yeah, it, it got nominated for best adapted screenplay. Well, I don't know if the actress didn't get it. If the lead didn't get it, then how do you get it for direction? Well, Ryan Gosling got it for oh, best supporting actor. That's where the trouble comes. Best so, supporting. Yeah. So this this is like why this, are we? So everybody's okay. so mad because this is what Barbie was now about. Now I'm mad. Okay. Well, what do we? First off, Gosling. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm only Ken. I'm that's Ken. all I am. <laughs> that's like, all I'm got really, nominated too. Really, really. I, I look, it, I look. I'm not saying it's much ado about. Nothing. It's something, but we're going in. I, we don't need to go this this much into Barbie. Yeah, it's fine. Do you know what I mean? America Fair nominated as well. Oh, for that's, oh that's she is, and mm-hmm. he won a Grammy, right above Billie Eilish. I think. For... I think I'm just Ken, like one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is too much. That Billie Eilish song. God damn, man! You ever listen to that one on the album? If Having a girl, having a daughter, listening to that, that's sad Ooh. as shit. Oh, really? Yeah, I listened to it one morning. My daughter sent it to me. I had one of the worst days. Because <laughs> you listen to the lyrics and it's like, ugh, this is rough. I wish she liked herself more. Billie Eilish? Yeah. I don't know anything about her, but man, this song. She's miserable. Oh, she's like tormented. <laughs> I don't know. Her hair is always three different colors, and she's wearing like a hockey sweater and yeah. stuff. And, and it's like, like eight inches long. It just puts something on. You know what I mean? Well, it up I think a she's little. trying to hi- just hide it, right? She's trying to do the non-female mm. figure thing. I'm not a sex symbol yeah. kind of thing. Well, in your act, you say at some point where you go, hey, sweetie, you know, could you just smile once in a while? 
I, that's what I want to say to Billie Eilish. Oh, but yeah, but this, I mean, I'm, I'm actually making fun of people when I say that. I know, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm serious. Okay. I, she's bumming me out. <laughs> You're rich as shit. You're one of the few people that has a great working relationship with a sibling. You know, her and her brother work. <laughs> right, yeah, I, don't be so true. miserable all the time. You, by the way, you look fantastic. You don't need to do all the green hair and everything. Just fucking lean into it. Like, enjoy it. Yeah, that's what, like, Michael enjoy. Jordan, when you see all his stuff, is like, I got cut from my high school basketball team. It's like, you have a championship toe ring, bitch. Yeah. Lie it down <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I wouldn't even made it to the toe. I would have just stopped oh. in the middle. <laughs> yeah, we know. Got a little mando. Lube it up a little mando. And, yeah. Pop it on. Nice. You want to talk about an aphrodisiac. <laughs> yeah. So I want her to be happy. And Barbie does not need to. There's there's no universe where Barbie is getting short shrift <laughs> or, or fucked over. Or Barbie's made $200 billion. It was a fine movie. It was fair. We don't need to. There are many movies that are better than Barbie. We don't. And she is an actress. It's good. But she's just playing Barbie. I, I don't know that she what needs a nomination. What about the lasting effect, though? Like, do you think we'll be watching these movies five years from now? I think Barbie's going to have some replay value, but I don't think a lot of the other movies will. Uh, well, some of the other movies are three and a half hours. So, Who else is up for Best Actress? Oh, we got What's-Her-Name from Louis Maestro. Gladstone, Emma Stone. Um, I didn't see that movie. Let me pull it. I'm pulling Here's it the problem. You're going to tell. I asked this question. You're going to answer it, and I will not have seen any of the movies, so I don't yeah. even know why I asked you. You haven't even seen Bill Maher's show. I know, and that's been on for a while. Yeah, yeah. And you're a comedian. I feel comedians. Would, that's that just a kind of comedian show. I don't watch a ton of TV. Really? Mm -mm. What do you do? Read. <laughs> Yeah, so what are you gay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This guy's so. reading. I bet there's not even pictures and shit in the books he reads. <laughs> you, <laughs> whatever, dude. Loser. So, uh, best actress is Emma Stone for Poor Things, Carrie Mulligan for Maestro, Sandra Huller for Anatomy of a Fall, Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, and then the surprise was Annette Benning for Nyad. Oh, oh yeah, right. she's playing Diana Nyad. Yeah, Diana Nyad was a thing. Back she in the day, swimming at English Channel or something. She would yeah. do long distance swims. Okay. okay. Um, and she <laughs> weird. She would swim. Yeah, thing. Uh, maybe the English Channel. Maybe the maybe the can. Oh, she swam. Swam to Cuba. Uh, she was the only one swimming to Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> Just passing everybody she passed along like the way. Fifteen Cubans on on, <laughs> on inner tubes. You're going the wrong way. <laughs> Columba. Like I they must have been so confused, like they've got fucking inner tubes duct taped to a refrigerator box and they're all laying on it. The trade embargo going. is frozen. It's this all the shit is this way. And they must have thought it must have been lore, like like they, like the chupacabra. Like there's, there's there's tale of a crazy lesbian who's swimming toward the island. Oh, get out of here, Louise. No, you've been drinking too much again. I tell you, I've seen her. She she swam from Cuba to Florida. So she oh, said she swam with them. She, she swam, swam with them. them. Yeah. She should have dragged them. Should have dragged a few of them on, yeah. on tires. <laughs> I would have watched that. That's how Elian Gonzalez got here, I think. That's right. Yeah. Swam here. Yeah, she created some sort of wake, right? Oh. No documentary on on that kid, right? Uh, no, I remember <laughs> no the story. He got here, then he got taken back, and yeah. then I don't remember. It ne it's never good. It never ends up good. Yeah, not when you have to go back and tell people that you've left. That's right. You're in deep shit. 
All right, uh, Greg's waiting in the uh, on-deck circle, so I think what we should do is uh, give a plug to Chad. Um, Stand-up special, Mixed Reviews, is very good, and you can see it for free. It's fantastic. you'll enjoy it. Oh, thanks. Yes, and uh, you can shoot him a tweet on Instagram as well, at that Chad Daniels. Sure. And... uh, Check out his shows because he's playing all over the place. ChadDaniels.com is uh, where you can find him, right? Yep. Got that yep. right. Oklahoma got that City, right. Houston, Addison coming up. Yep. All right. And uh, Greg Lukianoff. And if I hope I said that right. I know how to say his name, but I can't read his name. It screws me up. Anyway, I'm a fan of Greg. And we'll talk to him right after this. Oh, oh, O'Reilly. Don't miss Do It Right deals at O'Reilly Auto Parts. How long has it been since you've changed your spark plugs? Yeah, that's a good question. Replacing your spark plug can can restore efficiency and performance to your vehicle. Get better gas mileage as well. And right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, get a $12 O'Reilly gift card after rebate when you purchase four or more select AC Delco Iridium spark plugs. Maintain your performance and fuel mileage with new spark plugs from O'Reilly Auto Parts. You can also improve visibility with their new wiper blades. Right now, save 12 bucks on a pair of Rain-X Rugged XL wiper blades. Plus, get two times O Rewards points. An extra-large profile and premium features make rugged XL blades the right choice for extreme weather and driving durability. The professional parts people will even install your new pair of wiper blades for free. From spark plugs to wiper blades and more, save now with do-it-right deals in-store at O'Reilly Auto Parts or O'ReillyAuto.com. It's time to check Adam's voicemail. Mr. Corolla, I haven't really thought about you since the man show, but uh, I got to be honest with you. I came for the Tucker Carlson interview and uh, I'm staying for the rest of it. This is a great fucking podcast. There you go. I swore. Maybe you'll fucking play this. I fucking doubt it, though. <laughs> Fuck you very much. You can leave us a message at 888-634-1744. Greg Lukianoff is here, attorney, author, activist. The book, The Canceling of the American Mind. And uh, you know him from The Coddling of the American Mind, (laughs) which is book before this. And then uh, executive producer of a film I was involved with, Can We Take a Joke? Uh, Greg, good to speak to you. He's been on Mar. Has been on Mars. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, that that was that was tremendous fun. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I've I've seen a lot of your interviews, and it's a very interesting time we're living in because there's a little bit of a we're taking crazy pills kind of thing where <laughs> guys. I feel like guys like you, guys like me, guys like Elon Musk, guys like Bill Maher, and and many other people, Alex Berenstein or whoever moved over to Substack, Doctor Drew. Mark Garagos, the attorney, like we're going, we're just want the truth. We're just saying the truth. And it's like, you're dangerous. You need to stop. And it's like, no, we don't. We just want a platform where everyone can speak. And they're going, but that's, that's very dangerous because of your lies. And then we go, I'm not lying. There's no lies. We're just, we're just exchanging ideas. Why, by the way, why is that so threatening? 
to you if you think about it. Like, why are you so th- Elon Musk took over X. Why is it so threatening to you people? Because we're lying or, or because you're lying? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally agree. The, um, I mean, canceling the American mind is more or less just explaining all the different ways we try to win arguments without actually convincing anybody, uh, um, and partially by scaring the hell out of them that they'll lose their job or that they'll uh, otherwise have their lives ruined if they say something that kind of mildly pisses off some people in our, forgive the expression, ruling class. And the groups that are uh, willing to stand up to that and not actually be told what they can say um, are being treated as if we're all pariahs. So, like, we, you, you saw this happening with X. People are going after X if it's, it's more dangerous to the country than, say, TikTok, right. <laughs> which is run by the Chinese Communist Party. Um, and you see this happening on Substack as well, um, where there was, uh, like, th- th- there was this um, article in The Atlantic saying, oh, there's this Nazi guy who writes for uh, Substack, and they let him. And it's like, well, they let everybody write for them. Um but uh, and the article that was actually all based on was just full with all sorts of BS that Jesse Signal pointed out. But, yeah, there is a real attempt by people who are used to being in charge of of who gets to say what, that they continue to want to be that. And they want to make the circle of people who can speak their mind smaller and smaller. It's backfiring in in a real way right about now. And it, it's happening at some pace that it didn't happen in the past you know they've they've sped up the whole process of their backfiring process meaning stuff used to take a while to work or not work you know take something like policies you know we'd have some sort of policy in the middle east and it would get enacted and then we didn't know if it worked or didn't work it'd be 10 years of arguing over you know should we give money to the kurdish people or not you know we don't know and then we'd argue back and forth we're now at a part where it's like defund the police pow 10 (laughs) minutes later that shit doesn't work and whatever it is whatever kooky idea open the border how it doesn't work you know what i mean like it is immediate results and it's not good for the people with the bad ideas and they're having a lot of difficulty with this concept you know and and it's always because they're hyperbole you know january 6th was the greatest attack on this soil since pearl harbor and it was a, it was a armed you know it was armed insurrections so if they go, they always go way too far they did it with COVID. They did it with all things COVID. COVID will be the thing that undid them. They mm-hmm. took all their shit. They dumped it all into COVID. None of it turned out to be true. And more horrible stuff, which we're going to find out about Fauci and you know Pfizer and Upjohn and Rochelle Walensky and everyone else. It all turned out to be something else. And now everybody doesn't believe them anymore. And it happened in two years. Well, and, and that's the, the, there's a whole chapter on this in, in canceling the American mind, because one, one of the things we talk about is how cancel culture destroys trust and expert. It's because, like, take the Carol Hooven case. Carol Hooven is at Harvard. She um, uh, wrote this book called Testosterone, and she made this very compassionate argument saying that we should be kind to trans people. We should use their pronouns, all this kind of stuff about being nice and, and open hearted. But biological sex is real and we can't pretend it's not. And immediately there was, you know, a, um, a, a graduate student head of the DEI task force, unsurprisingly, you know, organizing a cancel culture campaign against her. And she's since left after the the environment got so got so nasty there. 
And I point out, yeah, this is really terrible for Carol. Carol actually got suicidal for the first time in her life when this was happening to her. But it's even worse for the credibility of experts because anytime, now that Scientific American is trying to make the argument that, oh, biological sex exists on a spectrum, nobody believes them. Because it's because when they realize that anybody who has a contrary opinion is going to get canceled, they're not going to trust you to be objective. And while we're seeing some signs of improvement and sometimes of sanity, when I look at places like Harvard that we give way too much power in our society, I call it the silver spoon rule there. They never, ever, ever admit they did anything wrong. It's always someone else's fault. <laughs> yeah, but if you look at it this way, if you would have gotten hold of me or many other Americans who would have considered themselves sort of libertarian atheists, sort of write it down the middle kind of people, and a decade ago or five years ago, and you would have said to me, Harvard, what do you think? I'd go, man, I wish my kid could get into that school, but he's too <laughs> dumb, you know? But man, I wish that was on my resume. And then you said CNN. I was like, no, 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 news organization calling balls and strikes. You know, <laughs> New York Times, L.A. Times, uh, Doctor Fauci, the CDC, the WHO. I would have just went, yeah, okay. Yeah. These are people, the organizations that are trying to prevent disease, or they're trying to make sure that people don't get sick, or they want to report the news. You tell people New York Times now, CNN, MSNBC, Harvard, Stanford, you know, the whole Ivy League, the WHO, the uh, Michelle Walensky, Fauci, and everyone just rolls their eyes now and goes, I don't know, man. I don't I don't believe a thing. That's 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 not a good place to be if you're one of those organizations. Honestly, most people would probably trust Joe Rogan more than CNN on any given topic. Well, and that's why they came after him. That, well, that's course. why there was this big campaign to get to, to get him shut down. Right. They, and, and meanwhile, right. It, it's one of the reasons why we thought, like, so FIRE, my, my organization, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, we, we just expanded beyond campus last year. And our goal was to put together a million-person army um, by 2025 of people to fight back against the, the this kind of nonsense going on, because all our research indicated that there's this big, you know, pent-up desire for, for nonpartisan defenders of freedom of speech. Um, we wanted to get there by 2025. We're at 950,000 right now. Um, so basically, like as far as people being mad and being sick of these you know, these elites telling them what they can't say, they're they're, they're fed up. Yeah, I, you know, my kind of simple notion of it is the people that wanted the control and that had the control could have sort of remained reasonable and in their lane and then maintained control. Um, Mm -hmm. I look at it, you know, you look at these organizations and I always bring up PETA. PETA was an organization that wasn't batshit crazy back in the day. If you were to stop somebody in 2002 and ask them PETA, they'd go, well, those are a lot of nice people and Pam Anderson and a couple of actors. And they don't want uh, that the chemicals tested in the bunny rabbit's eyes, you know, this for the lady shampoo or the, or the makeup tested on the lambs or something. And then most people go, yeah, I don't, I don't like that either. I don't, I don't like them. Testing. 
Then they went to a point where they said killing cockroaches is no different than being a Nazi. And then we all went, oh, you idiots are crazy. So now we're not going to listen to you. And the Sierra Club went that way. And the ACLU went that way. And many prestigious colleges went that way. And the LA Times and New York Times. And they fucked themselves because we went, oh, you guys went crazy. And now we don't have to listen to you. The LGBT plus community, they went nuts, too. Back in the day, it was like, don't you think a gay man and another gay man should have equal rights to get married and be afforded the same rules and protections as everyone in the Constitution applied? And I, everyone went, yeah, that's yeah. okay. Yeah, that make, yeah, let the gay guys get married. That makes sense. Now it's drag queen story hour, and everyone went, oh, okay, you're batshit crazy. If I worked for any of these organizations, I would tell everyone to cool their jets. I would have told, I would have told Black Lives Matter, do not side with the Palestinians, you idiots. Don't do it. <laughs> right. Don't do it. The money's going to dry up. But we hate the Jews. I know you. I know we do. Shh, so shh, quiet, shh, quiet. But we hate Jews, right? Yeah. No, I know. We understand that. But quiet. We need money. And we're not going to get it from corporate America if you're putting a, a guy with a sailplane and a machete on on our on our website. We're not going to. So okay, we can agree we hate Jews, right? Yes, we, but we can agree we want money, right? Yes. Okay, then shut up about the Jews. But no, can't stop. What well, I always that? talk about that being like the secret value of freedom of speech is uh, without it, we don't know what people really think. And we're a lot less safe if we don't know. So in a lot of ways, I'm glad these people are telling us what they really think right now. And they feel so emboldened because there are enough within their their little bubbles that they still think they're they are smarter than everybody else. They think they're more moral than everybody else. And they actually think because of intersectionality theory and actually not having a lot of experience in the actual real world, that all of these things, somehow they make each other more powerful if they if, if they align their most fringiest beliefs with all their other most fringiest beliefs without realizing that it actually just makes them completely super fringe to everybody else on the entire freaking globe. Yeah, they, they're, they're going to do the same thing with DEI. They could have done the same thing with the presidents of uh, Brown and MIT and Harvard. Was it Brown or Penn? Penn, yeah. Penn, MIT yeah. and Harvard. They should have said, hey, ladies, I know, I know you hate this Republican bitch who's giving you a reaming. Just fucking eat it for 15 minutes and we can all go home and get back to all the sh- poisoning everyone's brain. And no one will care or ask any questions. But don't get up there and start sparring with her verbally. Then they're going to start digging around and then we're going to be screwed. So just don't do it. They could they could have. They could have many of these same entities. They had it. They they had Ingram X Kendi working. You know, they have a wing. You know, to, for him, they had all their DEI shit. Oh, they all had it. But, you know, the American Airlines or United Airlines had to start advertising like we're going to be fifty percent black and Hispanic and female by the year two thousand. Just shut up, United, Bud Light. Yeah. Shut up. You're doing all this stuff. Just shut up about it. But is this a generational thing? Like that, all these brands and organizations are souring. Like, is it? Is it just the times? Because I mean, obviously, you you said it yourself. Like years ago, you didn't even think about this, or like so. I don't. This hasn't been happening that long. So. Because it just everything shifted, maybe it's the generation where we are in this point of time. Can it unshift? Can we can we go back the other way? Yeah, it's shifting because of the saturation level and how nuts you guys all went. They could have. It's like I, I live in California. Everyone's making an exit plan for California. Yeah. Now, you could have remained in California, but 
we can't stop ourselves in California. So they go, you're going to pay a little more in taxes. And everyone goes, okay. And you're going to pay a little more for gas. Like, okay. And the school systems aren't going to be quite as good. And you go, (laughs) all right, it's still worth it to live in California. And then they go, we're going to have our own toy aisle for transgendered kids. And you go, really? And they go, oh, and we're going to, we're going to remove all internal combustion vehicles by 2028. And you go, and we're not going to have any new building permits because of the Delta smelt. They're an endangered species. And now everyone goes, all right, you know what? Fuck it, we're moving. But you could have stopped. But you wouldn't stop because it's called a progressive movement. And it has the word progress and movement right in the title. And it <laughs> never stops. There's no part. They never reel it in. They never pump the brakes. But they are screwing themselves out of their own future. Well, here, here's my thing, though, Chris, about th- this is kind of my fear about um, this moment being like the PC movement on campus in, uh, of the 80s and 90s uh-huh. is that, you know, like I started working in free speech on campus when I was right out of law school. So like when I was like 26 um, and there was this, you know, PC movement from about 95 from about 85 to 95 that became kind of a national joke. The speech codes were defeated. Yay, yay, yay. Um, but what people don't realize is that actually, since I was working on at, like on campuses 2001, it all just kept on getting worse. Just the media wasn't paying attention because it wasn't sexy anymore because the students weren't that into it. The professors weren't that into it, but the administrators were super into it. And they started noticing it again in 2014 because suddenly uh, they got a crop of students who were also into it and together, administrators plus students. And here's, and here's what I'm afraid of. People are going to go, you know, it looks like some people are kind of coming back to their senses. It's not that bad anymore. Everyone knows Harvard's a joke. Um, you know, thank goodness that's over. We, we all make sense now. Here's the scary thing. The professors who are younger, basically like the people who are protecting academic freedom and free speech on campus right now, they're all Gen Xers and boomers. And we're getting canceled and we're retiring. The younger crop of professors, they are more arrogant. They are less good on free speech. They have even less viewpoint diversity than these guys do today. So I feel like we got, if there's a moment where we're kind of seeing things with a little bit more clarity, we got to think of ways to reform higher ed, to come up with cheaper ways of doing it. Because like we are starting to put together that Harvard isn't actually the best and brightest people out there, which we all kind of knew, but somehow we (laughs) pretended like that was actually true. And we got to take advantage of the moment that we're all seeing that at the same time. Yeah, Harvard reminds me, it's sort of, I told somebody, I was in a green room at a comedy store, and we're having this argument, this was in Arizona a few weeks ago, I think Dawson was there, and she was like going, I have a Cadillac, and uh, my Cadillac, and you wanted to get this this Mazda, and I got, a, I got a Cadillac, and I'm like, you keep saying Cadillac like you're a black person from the 60s. It's 2023 and a half. Cadillac doesn't mean Cadillac mm-hmm. anymore. If, if if Cadillac, yeah, Elvis drove a Cadillac and and that was the dream of every unsuccessful kid is to one day drive a Cadillac. You 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 say Cadillac, but it everyone would rather have a Lexus. <laughs> it's a, a Toyota than a Cadillac. So my my point is is eventually Harvard is going to be like Cadillac. Like you would say Harvard now, but in 20 years, if they just keep going, they could go the Cadillac route, which is fine. Like Cadillac's a serviceable, decent car, and they're on their way back. But what I'm saying is, is but by the time Cadillac got from like 1964 to 1984, it was a joke. 
the car that was used as like the standard for success mm-hmm. was now a joke in the mid 80s in 20 year span. And Harvard, which was always, you know, oh, that guy, he went to Harvard. He's a genius. You know, they, they could suffer. There's no brand. You know, there's no brand that just lives forever without, yeah. without the quality. And, and you know, could find that start happening with Harvard. Maybe it already is. Uh, and I really hope it is. Well, but my big fear is that um, students in law schools are getting such bad lessons about free speech, because I'm, you know, First Amendment, obviously, that they're going to start hitting, um, they're going to start becoming judges, uh, and it's going to be bad, uh, because right now, a lot of the ju- people who are being appointed judges, you know, they're, they're a tiny minority of, of law school graduates these days. And I mean, my alma mater is Stanford Law School, and this past year, watching my you know, classmates, um, the younger generation of Stanford Law School, uh, get together and heckle and shout down a Fifth Circuit judge. Um, and then in collaboration with a DEI administrator at Harvard, I mean, like they told him that they they hoped his daughters get raped. And then the San Francisco Chronicle is, is actually saying, oh, but it, the real crime is that the Fifth Circuit judge got angry at the students. And I'm like, the students said that they hoped his daughters would get raped and, and a million other things about their prostates and stuff. Like, it was absolutely completely insane. And these are people who actually think that they're heroes. Like, they actually think that they're the good guys in reality. Um, and they're still getting the the, the, the the prestigious clerkships. And I don't see that changing for a while, even though I think it should. Yeah, that was embarrassing for Stan. Very embarrassing. They, we have a whole chapter on it about how it shows what we call the perfect rhetorical fortress on the left. All of these BS ways you avoid serious arguments. Yeah. At, at some point, I just feel like people are going to have to be embarrassed. You know, I, you know, when you think about, I was thinking about it the other day, Evergreen State Oof, and, yeah. and Weinstein, and that was covered in no safe spaces. But when he's being chased off the campus by an angry mob of 18 and 19 year olds and the administration is looking at him going, there's nothing we can do about it. It's like that at some point becomes embarrassing for the entity, for the school. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, oh, the, the, the nutty 19 year olds have taken over the administration building and there's nothing we can do. I'm going to go on a Quiznos run and get them food. You're the dean. Take a fire hose. Tell them to hit the bricks. You know, like. That's the problem. I mean, the real problem is the adults in the room not acting like adults probably starts with these little snot-nosed kids' parents. But at some point, and there's a conundrum because the DEI administrator is in a weird position because they need to find fires and put them out, but they need to take the side of the diverse student body and not the old white guy who's the fifth circuit judge. So now they're shouting down the fifth circuit judge and she's got to go out there and side with the 19 year olds, which is a, which is a built in problem. This is essentially, it's like saying to a cop, your job is to side with the criminals. Yeah. That's not, it's not going to work. Yeah. We did a whole Substack thing where there was, um, I, I was dealing with this absolutely mind blowing argument that essentially all the laws that are being beginning to be passed that cut down on the DEI bureaucracy at some of these public schools, um, that that's a threat to academic freedom. Uh, I think Nicole Hannah-Jones made this argument, and I'm kind of like, no, no, that's like saying 
uh, you're shutting down our censorship department. Uh, right. That's a that's a big threat to their freedom of speech to censor because it, right. it's kind of like the DEI administrators have been involved in these cases all the time. They're they're actually in some cases they're the ones who are getting the students to you know sign the petitions in the first place or even organizing the shout down like they did like they did at Stanford. So like they're a huge part of the threat to academic freedom and free speech, but now they're trying to claim that oh we have, these schools have an academic freedom right to hold on to their censorship department. Yeah, it's it's worrisome when groups and jobs become sort of rackets. It's like in L.A. we have teachers unions, and they're not really interested in kids. They're more interested in money and political power, and they fight school choice, and they fight charter schools, and they fight reopening after they needlessly shut down for COVID. And then the governor and the city council all realize that they fund their campaigns, so they're not going to tell them to reopen the schools, and there's no competition because we can't get charter schools started because uh, because of the money that flows from the teachers unions to the governor's office. And then it becomes a kind of cabal at some point. It doesn't service the citizens or especially the students. And it just sort of becomes its own racket. And I feel like teachers unions, I mean, look no further than Chicago. You know, at some point you had Rochelle Walensky, the head of the CDC, saying to open schools and the unions got to her and went, I don't think that's a good call. Go walk it back. Is that what you want? But because that's a racket at that point and the kids and the taxpayers suffer. And I feel like this DEI is crossed into racket department too. Like it, maybe it started with semi-noble something semi-noble leanings, but it always turns into tail hook. Yeah. Well, and, and that's something we have a chapter on reforming K through 12. Um, and and one, one of the things that I talk about first in there is, you know, I, I used to my kids go to public school, but and this is you know not, not something they're going to like to hear. But I, I came out uh, for uh, vouchers, you know, you know uh, for charter schools, this whole thing in the book, it, which is not a you know, I live in downtown D.C. It's not a, it's not a popular position to take. And I give a whole list because some of these laws that people were trying to pass to rein in K through 12 and some of the craziness in K through 12, they're all based on what not to teach and what not to do. And I wanted to give a positive vision of stuff that you can actually you should teach that is incompatible with some of the identity politics and some of the censorship and all, all, all this kind of stuff. And because I, I want there to be a positive uh, vision for that. But, yeah, a lot of this you know, I mean, when you start looking like the way the, the racket really comes through. Is right now, and we looked at this. We we found that a lot of elite colleges claim that it costs somewhere between a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars to educate a single student for a single year. And you know what you're saying when you're saying that they can they cannot educate a single student for a single year for that for that uh, for anything less than two hundred thousand dollars. That's a failure, and we should not be massively subsidizing uh, institutions that are that wasteful. It, like that, that money could be better spent elsewhere. Meanwhile, in D.C., I think it's something like thirty to forty thousand dollars a single student a single year to educate them in in, in D.C. And like that's no that's, that, that, that that's that, high that school. Are you talking about high school? You're not talking about college. High school. Yeah, oh, high school. Yeah, right. yeah. 
uh, yeah. K through 12. And that's insane. Like, like yeah. it, the, the, there was like a guy that I was talking to was kind of like, yeah, like give, give, a, give every parent a $10,000 voucher and put $30,000 in a, in a savings account for them. If they graduate from high school, that would solve poverty. And it's like, and I laughed and I was like, that would solve poverty. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it shows that they're not interested in the problem. So look, you can talk about wanting border security or you can talk about the education of the poor inner city black and brown kids, but I'll watch your actions and your actions suggest to me you are not interested in this. Now, why that has become a plank in your platform makes me sad. You know what I mean? Like, I I wish there were, you know, you can go, well, you guys disagree on abortion and maybe you disagree on what to do with Ukraine. And, you know, there's reasonable arguments on both sides of that. But we have to disagree on children's education and we have to disagree on a secure border. And we just have to sort of it'd be like, you know, you and your wife can fight about where to go on vacation and you and your wife can fight about what movie to see on a Saturday night. But do you have to fight about you packing a lunch for your kid? You know, like, do you have to fight? I said baloney. I'm talking about <laughs> peanut butter and jelly. It's like you have to fight about everything and, and even stuff that could be helpful. And I feel like the problem with a lot of it is, um, you know, Trump comes along and he goes, I got to stiffen up this border. So we're doing remain in Mexico and title whatever. And we're going to get the Mexican troops involved and we're going to incentivize them not to let people. And then, of course, because you're fighting with Trump, you just show up like the mom and goes, I'm throwing away all the lunch meats. <laughs> it's like you're going <laughs> like we paid for those lunch meats and the kid kind of likes, no, 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 I'm throwing them all away and we're going with peanut butter and jelly and you just throw away a bunch of lunch meat and you go, stop the wall, no more remain. Okay, so we'll just do the opposite of what the person you don't like said to do and now we're going to have a problem at the border because how else would it work? You said, we're going to do away with all of it? Fine. We're going to shut down the Keystone Pipeline. We're going to stop domestic drilling. Okay, gas going to be six bucks a gallon in California. I don't care. That's what we're doing. Um, you want to educate these kids? Yeah. Vouchers. Yeah. Charter schools. Who? Why? Who wants that? Uh, the Republicans want that. Oh, okay. Well, then, no way. We're not doing it. And it's like, all right, so you're just basically using kids as cannon fodder. And it's like, yep, because we're making a, we're making a point, which now makes me realize you're not really into this. You're not, you're not into the kids. Like, it, if you're in... You never stop talking about poor black and brown kids. This is going to help poor black and brown kids, and you're not into it. Yeah. So what else do we need to know about you? Well, that was when I was living in D.C. in the 90s. That's who I was working with. I was working with inner city high school kids in D.C. And the most adamant population about 
uh, charter schools and about vouchers were actually black and brown parents who really wanted better schools uh, in D.C. And and the dirty little secret about D.C. is D.C. has a ton of charter schools and they're ones that everybody wants to go to. I, I was talking to a pretty wealthy liberal friend who kind of admitted to me in sort of hushed voices and great shame that I'm sending my kid to a charter school. And, and I'm like, well, as long as you just feel guilty about it and then don't support uh, support them, I guess you're somehow still a good person. Like, no, or, or you could admit they're actually pretty good. Well, it does kind of bring you to this conundrum. And at a certain point, these people are going to have to start being a little more consistent. Like, Probably the number one group that would be pro charter school and vouchers and any one of those things that could help the poor black child in the inner city is the mom of the Mm. black child in the inner city, often single mom. Um, That group, nobody would be more pro charter and voucher than that segment, black mother Black single mother, inner city, 10-year-old boy and 11-year-old girl, right? That that group. Um, me, white guy, rich guy, locking you out of California, not so invested in it, although I talk a lot more about it than most of the people that could benefit from it. Yep. But that's because I'm a hero. <laughs> uh, that group, black female, the same group who's the single mom who... Uh, who uh, would love a charter school probably votes 89 to 91% Democrat, which is the group that doesn't want it. So you bitches need to get your shit together. I'm not fucking kidding anymore. Look, if this shit isn't working for you, then stop doing it. Go find another person to vote for. This is the number. I mean, you take the, the group. I mean, you know, it's, I don't know, 70, 70% 70% or 68% of the black community will vote Democratic. Right. But a much lower group of dudes in the black community. Black women, I don't know, Dawson, you can look it up. It's 90%. But do you think they want that? Like, They just were told to vote for Democrats, right. and they just so, do it. They're not they're thinking to about— they're told to even think against that, right? So, like, they don't, they don't even want it. I would challenge them to do a dig in. Do a, you know, do a Google search, you know, figure it out a little bit. Who wants the charter schools? Who doesn't want the charter schools? Who's in the back pocket of the teachers unions that are failing your kids? And then vote accordingly, inner city mother. Yeah. Uh, well, Batya, uh, Batya Ungar Sargon, who wrote a book called Bad News, is coming out with a book called Second Class um, that, I, that I just read. And it's all about sort of like the portrayal of the working class. And I think whatever party really gets a fully committed to helping working class people do better, like program and platform that they're able to actually tell people about effectively, you know, like that's going to be the political realignment um, that that's going to change stuff. Yeah, I agree. And I, I hope we get into some issues and it looks like we're just talking about January 6th and <laughs> losing our democracy and other like joke stuff. And I would probably say to the Democrats the same thing I would have probably said to PETA 15 years ago. Like, you know, we're running on losing democracy and banning gay books in Florida on January 6th. And uh, Trump said he was going to be 
a dictator from day one. And I'm like, listen, nobody, stop it. Just pick some pick some topics and some subjects, maybe the economy. Let's get a new strategy Let, Let's work on some issues. That we could actually fix. Trump was making a joke, and everyone knows it. And let's just that we look foolish. Let's let's pick the economy. We can keep abortion on there. Uh, the voters' rights thing is kind of fucked out because the, the data doesn't really support any of this shit you're saying. But let's just get some good, like, dinner table stuff. You know, let's talk about the price of eggs and stuff like that and really just go to it with some jobs and working class and middle class and that kind of stuff. But they they won't do it, and I don't know why. Well, and this is this is one of the arguments that we make for free speech. And this is one of the reasons why we want it to be you know, more prominent, uh, you know, in, in the end of the book is really when you get people focused on let's take a specific problem and talk about how to actually fix it um, in the real world. It brings people back to reality. It makes people start realizing that it's good to have rules about what counts and what doesn't and the way we argue. But if you actually have just this pure ideological sort of uh, virtue signaling t- type approach to politics where everything's symbolic and nothing is actually real, it turns into this thing where free speech is, of course, part of the problem because, you know, that, that means that you're entitled to your opinion. I don't th- really think you should be. So, so basically kind of like if we had more serious discussions about fixing actual things in the real world, free speech would be in much less danger as well. But if we're just going to have purely quasi-religious arguments about, uh, you know, what what people from Harvard actually believe, um, it's just going to get worse. I think a lot. Again, I've never made this analogy, but here it goes. I think what they tried to do with free speech is they tried to do what they tried to do during prohibition. And people immediately said, look, we're just going to make gin in our tub and we're going to you know, give birth to Al Capone. And then at some point, there'd be some guy who was moonshining and running rum or something. And then at some point, that company would become Seagram's. And yeah. they created it. They cre- the reason Gutfeld is number one is because they made him that. They yeah. created Gutfeld. All the people they hate, Gutfeld or... Tucker Carlson or anyone on Substack or yourself or the aforementioned Joe Rogan or whatever, they created all these people by being batshit crazy and trying to shut everyone down. They created all all these little distilleries all around America because they tried to make alcohol consumption illegal and, and people didn't go along with it. And then they created this cottage industry, which is what we're living. We're right there. You know, Substack that was just mm-hmm. created by them. Uh, all parlor and all these other places were, were created because Facebook and all and big tech couldn't keep their dick in their pants. Like they couldn't <sighs> just step back and call balls and strikes. Nope. They had to lean in. They had to get involved. They had to put their thumb on the scale and they're going to get beat. Look, Sports Illustrated is going to get its ass kicked by Barstool Sports and Outkick Sports. Now, what what world are we living in? Well, Sports Illustrated, you couldn't stop, could you? You couldn't stop with the swimsuit issues and the fat chicks and the trans models. You couldn't stop about weaving your politics into all your articles. And guess what? You're going under and these other guys have cropped up. But they only cropped up because of you. 
You made it happen. If Sports Illustrated was just Sports Illustrated, then we'd be fine. And Rolling Stone is going to go away, too. Rolling Stone is no longer Rolling Stone because they couldn't stop themselves. And that's really going to be the lesson that we're going to learn from this little time in history. And they hate all these other groups, but they created them. Yeah. Well, that was something that happened after Coddling uh, came out is me and Height got messages. We got um, uh this, these entrepreneurs, these bosses at these very big prestigious companies calling us and saying, oh, my God, the elite school graduates that we're getting, they think every tiny thing that happens between them and their boss sometimes or their employees is something to, like, shut down the organization for a couple of days of talkbacks, which are basically just screaming fests against, like, the person you don't like. Uh, they want us to take positions on, you know, pro-Palestinian you know, positions. Um <laughs> And then they'll tell me at some point, well, we don't really, and because of this, we're not, we don't hire people from the Ivy League anymore. And my response is, okay, can you tell that to everyone? Because when they start realizing that they're actually hurting their product, they might actually start thinking about seriously reforming. And and I don't want to, and I'm not just saying that to people who talk about you know f fancy companies anymore. I'm saying this to everybody. It's like then say something about it. Like if you if you're sick and tired of like uh, all, all these institutions that, that you used to trust, you got to let everybody know that. Um, and you got to you got to say it early and often because basically there there is still a class of people who think that they're in charge of deciding what is true that really nobody trusts anymore, but is kind of in denial of that fact. Let me give the book a plug, The Canceling of the American Mind, available wherever you find finer books. And uh, you can also go back and look at The Coddling of the American Mind if you haven't already read it. Uh, FIRE, the organization, where can we, how can we get in touch with you there? Thefire.org, and I think your listeners would make great additions to our free speech army, and we get crazy, hysterically stupid cases all the time where we get massive letter-writing campaigns to say, we have a case right now where, where a guy was wearing, um, a, 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 what is it, face black, like the, like the stuff the, the stuff that football players wear. He yeah. had like th this much under his eyes, yeah. and this high school was like, that's blackface, right. and, and, uh, and they like suspended him and yeah. all this stuff. And we have cases like this all the time where we just get letter writing campaigns going, give us a break. So it's a way to actually create Twitter mobs for freedom of speech. Thank you, Greg. We appreciate you joining us. And I hope Thanks to, so much for having me, Adam. Hope to see you soon. Yeah, I don't know. The, the lamplight, the blackout stuff on the face, especially now that NFL players are going full goblin with this. They're going all the way we down. We know what it is. <laughs> it's been around forever. <laughs> That's the whole... It, it in a way, it's a lot like blackface itself, where they go, "Oh, you see, Jimmy Fallon was doing black. He's he's doing Sammy Davis Jr. for a sketch on SNL. Do not know what's going on. Nobody cares about intention anymore. Do not know what's going on. Yeah, Trump said day one he was going to be a dictator. Yeah, he made a joke." About being a dictator day one, and then he said only for one day, and it was only to do shit a president could do anyway. Do you not know what's going on? And 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 if you're intentionally misunderstanding life, is that going to be difficult for you? I don't know. But I yeah. listen, I've been yelling about this with soccer coaches kissing and whatever the fuck. But Matt Damon, remember Matt Damon's like, oh, you know, um, 
Let's see. Al Franken. Al Franken and uh, Weinstein. Weinstein is saying, shut up, Matt Damon. Like, you guys not know what's you know how much of life would need to be explained to most people. It's really fucking. It's really bizarre. It's it's a confusing time to be alive, and to intentionally misunderstand things so you can make a point. Yeah. I would argue would be the opposite of journalism. The opposite of journalism is intentionally misunderstanding what somebody is saying so that you can make a point by using it. Well put, yeah. John McKay said, (laughs) when asked about his team's execution, he was all for it. He wants to kill his team. (laughs) Don't fly on the team plane with him. He may be sabotaging it. What's wrong with everybody? Yeah, and where's your dignity? I like Whoopi Goldberg. Where's your dignity? Where's your but dignity? See, but see, but these are people are being this? exposed now. Like, do you see? Like, I, I talked to. I mean, yeah, Greg wrote the canceling of the American mind. If you say even the words cancel culture to anybody these days, their their eyes roll. Like, we're over it. I agree. All right, Vegas coming up this Thursday. Got a couple of shows there. Jimmy Kimmel's Club. And Dawson's then, on that show. Oh, Dawson's going to be out there. Yeah. Grand Junction, Colorado Mesa Theater. Two shows Friday. And then off to Estes Park, Colorado. Stanley Hotel. Beautiful. Saturday, two shows over there. Naples off the hook. Coming up February 2nd and 3rd. We've got four shows over there. Go to AdamCurl.com for all the live shows. And this is Adam Curl for Chad Daniels. And Greg. Oh. Lukianov. There we go. I, I I can't read it, I gotta say. S- and Chris Maxipata s- saying Mahalo. You can leave us a voicemail at 888-634-1744. Get your tickets to see the A's, man. Get them in Vegas for Thursday night at AdamCarolla.com. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy Christmas classics like Scrooge with Bill Murray or Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. Plus, dive into festive channels like holiday movie favorites by Lifetime or Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy our season's greetings category with nine holiday channels, including holiday movie favorites by Lifetime, Festive Fireplace, Holiday Lights, and Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never.